The Clary Podcast is brought to you by uh, academiccomposition.com. Go there if you don't want to write your liberal arts papers. Because why would you? Nobody wants to. Even the liberal arts majors don't want to write their papers. They just want to graduate with their degree and then think that they're going to be lucky and score a six-figure government job. But that's not going to happen to them either. Anyway, go to academiccomposition.com and have Alex and his crack team of writing staff write your papers for you. If you want to become a writer, contact Alex as well. He pays by the page at a fair market wage. And he also has marketing positions. We just post ads up on Craigslist. Both jobs are incredibly boring. Both jobs are not going to be rewarding. Both jobs are rewarding only in the financial sense that they pay. And you could do them remotely, uh, even from a beach in Thailand. Uh, we have my Amazon affiliate program. If you shop online through Amazon, well, then why don't you go and give the captain some money? Does it cost you any more? So how, does that ha- how can I give the captain money? And it doesn't cost me any more. All you have to do is go to captaincapitalism.blogspot.com. Look for the Amazon banner. It's to the right. It's in the right. Don't tell me it's not there. It's there. I just checked it. Click on that banner. Do all your shopping there. And I get a 6 to 7% commission and cut for sending the traffic to Amazon.com. Doesn't cost you a penny more. <clears throat> Rattlerstrap.com. Check out Rattlerstrap.com if you're looking for a durable belt made by an entrepreneur. Uh, made with power paracord. It's what uh, they use in uh, parachutes, the cord that attaches to parachutes. He he makes belts out of those. InvisibleHandFashion.com. Born out of frustration from the inability of idiotic co-workers and a large leftist shithole to understand basic logic, InvisibleHandFashion.com serves up cold hard facts in both snarky and subtle forms on books, not books, sorry, on clothes, shirts, uh, bags, coffee mugs, that type of thing. They're a merch account. And they have a lot of cool shirts with charts and data and economics. They will certainly start a conversation that's assuming people are smart enough to look at them long enough to figure out what the heck that shirt means. Steve Jerky. Go to Facebook.com slash Steve's Jerky. If you are interested in getting some jerky, it's better than the average jerky, a lot better. Um, he's no longer selling it by the gallon. He invested in some better equipment, and he now sells it in five-ounce packs. They sell for $10 a piece, plus five bucks shipping. If you buy three or more, he will cover the shipping, that's facebook.com slash Steve's Jerky and businessbuyeradvantage.com. In order to get ahead and take advantage of tax laws and maximize your lifestyle, you need to be in business for yourself. It's faster, cheaper, easier, and less risky to buy an already successful business than it is to try and do a startup. Access tons of free information about how to go and buy and sell a business at businessbuyeradvantage.com. If you like what you see, you could go deeper by taking the Business Buyer Advantage online course. Use the discount code Clary to get a special price. Welcome to the Clary Podcast, a division of Aaron Clary, LLC, brought to you by AssholeConsulting.com, Aaron Clary, Chairman and CEO. And now, your host... Captain Capitalism himself, the world's only professional asshole, Aaron Clary. Okay, we're live, I think, now. So, And let me switch over this because it's technology. We don't even know if it's going live or not. Right. There it is. Perfect. All right. Now, this way I can watch it. All right. Let me explain something to you there, young man. 
we didn't you may hate technology now but it's saving yours and my asses because we we, we don't have to answer to any baby boomer fucks we don't have you don't have to answer to any gen x fucks we just don't have to answer to fucks all right we got the internet it allows us and you're worried because you ain't got your codec or because the cable does it dude in my day we didn't even have technology all we had was sticks and rocks and I'm an older Gen Xer because all, so all we had was rocks. That's it. Plants hadn't even grown yet by that time. We were very happy to have our rocks. Right. No, that's one of the problems I have with being in my profession is that I do have to deal with that fact that as much as I hate technology, if it wasn't for technology, I'd probably be still in the Seattle area. So I'll concede that point for the time yeah. being. But I'm still well, gonna I, lose. I'm still gonna lose it every time my computer stops working randomly. Well, what is what is it? Wait, how how at your age? Because you're not, not that you're like Mr. IT genius, but how does someone at your age not know like some basic troubleshooting with computers and the internet and some hardware? Well, I know troubleshooting. That's how I managed to get my computer to work again. It's just mm-hmm. that um, I got a, a typewriter that's a hundred years old. It still works, but my laptops last about two years and then they stop working. Then you got to get a new one. Like yeah. they just don't. I don't know. It, the 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 sound driver for my laptop, brand new, lasted about five months, and then it stopped working. And it was just too much of a hassle to send it in because um, I use it for all sorts of stuff. And I'm not going to send them in my laptop that's got all my my you know personal uh, personal information on it, or like my books or whatever. Don't want to lose it. I know I got it backed up, but at the same time. <laughs> Uh, I've been reading about what they were doing with uh, what was it, a geek squad or whatever. They had the FBI that they were like greeting the laptops that they were sending in. I don't know. Just I don't trust people to fix stuff mm-hmm. without without violating my privacy in some way. No, I got a guy, an IT guy, and I get all my computers from him used. Uh, he's kind of got an interesting background. IT genius <clears throat> brought up poor. So this guy is even cheaper than I am. And he tries to script and save every little penny, no matter what. And I'm telling him, I'm like, you know, the war's over, you know, like you, you escape you he makes over six figures. He bills out at around $150 an hour, but he will spend his weekends pulling the electronic parts out of no longer usable computers. And cause he can not salvage them, but because of the metals in there or something. So he'll spend an entire day and he'll make maybe 55, 60 bucks. And I tell him, I'm like, why are you wasting your time with this? He's like, I'm afraid I'm going to lose my ability, my skill to do it. Anyway, the whole point is he's got a sweet deal because people will go to him with their laptops or computers, companies, to get rid of them, dispose of them safely and not environmentally, right. but like all the data. So he'll blank out these drives. He switches them out. And, man, I get laptops from him for like 100 150 bucks. They last three to four years. Desktops, 50 bucks a piece. And then when it when it's shot, I'm like, here, blank this out. I, I know how to kind of do it myself. I'm like, here, blank this drive out or, um, you know, right. take, take this. And I don't, you know, and it's you don't have to worry about. But so wait, Geek Squad got busted, uh, what, getting people's personal information off the computers or something? You know, I don't remember. I just remember reading it casually because I had sent in something years ago for them to fix. And then I was reading about how uh, I think that they were just – I, I don't know. I think th- what they were doing is they were keeping information for the uh, for the same way you know those DNA companies will keep your DNA once you send really? it. Really? Yeah. I, I don't know. I just don't trust any of those guys with uh, with the information. And th- the thing is, is, like I got you know either financial information or I've got uh, just other stuff that um, as far as like you know just proprietary information that I gotta 
safeguards. So I'm not really interested in, in them uh, accessing that. I mean, it's not like if the laptop was destroyed, I'd be concerned because I've got, you know, like all my books and all my writing projects. Like the only things I really care about are on my thumb drives and, and uh, external drives. So it, it's just, I don't know. It just frustrates me that we, we pay uh, good money for brand new products and then they stop working on us within a couple months. And it's just a pain to send it in. You got to wait for them to send it back to you and all that. I, I'd much rather, I don't know. I, I'm just one of those guys when something stops working, I'm going to just go buy a new one. Um, but I hate having them do that so often as it is. May, may I recommend go with like Windows 7. Like I went from XP to uh, what was the pretty good? I, it's the operating system. I almost guarantee you that's it. I have never, yeah. I have never had problems with computers, but my computer pro- problems have been very minuscule. It's because I just stick with operating systems that, you know, what was it? Was it Windows 8? Was that the one yeah, that that's Steve a, Ballmer got fired over because it was such a clusterfuck? Yeah, dude, I had to use that when I was working for a, for a new site for a little bit. And I remember thinking that this was one of the most um, counterintuitive products, like software, just operating systems I'd ever seen in my life. And I'm glad I only had to use it for a month because I was going crazy just trying to navigate it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'd grown up on Windows 95 and maybe Windows uh, XP or 2000 or whatever, but trying to use that, I, it just kind of boggles my mind how they can design things that are so not compatible with the way most people think. They're used to, for 10 years, they were used to the regular Windows and then they're seeing... 20 25 yeah. even well dude uh, it's just it, it yeah it's you know what it was like it was like you know usually for eons men have been putting their penises in vaginas and then <laughs> steve Ballmer decided to switch it no you stick it in a nostril and we're like what you immediately go you, your eyes immediately go to the boobs and the ass no now you're gonna look at her elbow why am i looking at your elbow this makes no fucking sense like no give me back my start button and the, the balls on those assholes to say, well, it's because you know what you're going to learn it our way. Well, it's because they have a corner on the market where they know people don't really have a choice. People are going to go with their stuff. There, there's not enough competition to where they have to actually make people happy. They can they can drive people nuts as much as they want, and then just offer. You know, they can have as many bugs in their software as possible, and then just have uh, constant updates for the next twenty years to to fix the problem. Um, I. I you would think that that would get fixed at some point, but it, I don't think that's going to change in, in anytime soon. I mean, I, I hope I, it does, but I mean, there's some guys who use, um, is it Linux? Is that what's called? Yeah, that? Linux. Yeah, there's yeah, various yeah. operating systems of, I'm, of I'm Linux, thinking, right? At some point in my life, I'm thinking of switching over to that stuff because um, I've heard the people who know how to use it have been pretty happy with it. And uh, just with, with uh, I, I've never been, I mean, I, I like uh, Apple products, Um for if you're editing uh, videos or, or audio or whatever, it seems to be pretty um, pretty intuitive. But um, I, I don't know. I hopefully at some point we'll get some sort of I don't want to say crash, but I don't know how much you know about the the video game crash of 1983. Where um, yeah, Atari's uh, yeah, yeah. I went. I went. Hey, let me let me brag about my nerd credentials here, TJ. Before before you had pubes, well. Wait, no, I didn't before ask I was, you. Okay. Dude, before I was born. Before you were born, um, I remember when they were bearing it out in Alamogordo, New yeah, Mexico. E.T. Yeah, yeah E.T. They were, making, and, they were making all these crappy products, and there was these unauthorized third-party games that were, they were making for Atari, and you had all these different uh, competitors that were churning out these really low-quality 
games. And then, of course, the, the, the consoles all crashed. And then you had Nintendo come out from that saying, we're not going to make the same mistake. And they really haven't made any, there hasn't been a video game crash since I think that they learned their lesson. But I think it's time that the software companies uh, like Microsoft or whatever learn kind of the same lesson where you, you can't come out with the, the kind of poor quality. I don't know. I, I don't know enough about software to know what's going on. I just know that the, what they're doing is not, it, it's driving me nuts. TJ, I, I like you very much. I want you to, but, and, and no offense, don't, don't try Linux. IT is not your specialty. After the conversations <laughs> we've had, how do I upload my book to Amazon? I'm like, don't you have three books published already? I don't remember it. Had someone else do it. Dude, no, it's just bad luck. I, I uploaded the same. No, wait, how book. is it bad luck? How is it bad luck? I've done this like eight or nine times over on Amazon. If anything, the system's gotten more streamlined, and I hear everyone so, hey. And it's not even like I wish you would ask, but I watch or I listen to your podcast, and it's just wincingly painful. Like, fuck. Well, you have called me for two minutes. Like, you know what? Just, it's like, just give me the damn PDF file. I'll do it for you. Dude, this is why I pay people to do this now because I don't right. want to do it anymore. I'm a, right. This is what kind of drives me nuts about people who are talking to me um, at, about being a writer and they're saying, well, you, you should do all this stuff and you got to learn how to do the whole marketing and all that. And, and I appreciate it. Like, I have a lot of respect for guys like you who are self-published authors who have done the marketing and you've done it all on your own. But for a lot of guys, we're, that's not really either their specialty or really their interest. Um, it's just something that they don't have the, the aptitude or the knack for. And I really don't have a lot of interest with the formatting stuff, um, that, which is why I pay a guy like five bucks on some freelance site to go go do all that. Yeah, I suppose it, I, if it's five bucks, I was about to say, because I knew it was my passion to learn to convert things to PDF and upload it to create space at Amazon. I woke up one morning and I said, gosh, <laughs> I can't wait to convert things to, to Audible, not Audible, what's it called? Kindle uh, <laughs> forming standards. What's, what's crazy is I was using a, another uh, site, I think it was called uh, Lulu or, or something like that. Back, I mean, We're talking 10 years ago when I was first publishing stuff uh, just to send it to myself so I could read it. And mm. it was very intuitive and I didn't have any problems with that. It was when I switched over to Amazon um, and started doing their, their, they just had a completely different way of, of doing book publishing. Um, but yeah. <laughs> no, it, it took me at least like two shifts work because my first what was my, no, my first book at way was I work in security. I remember. Wasn't I that the, was, the, the, the housing crash book? Yeah. The housing bubble. I'm trying to remember. <clears throat> Yeah, I probably was working security. Um, it, it took a shift or two to figure out how to do Amazon upload and standards and uh, get the get the file so it could conform to all of its prerequisites and its its specs. And uh, inevitably, to, and, but it's gotten a lot easier nowadays with Amazon. To the point, do you want to know how how confident I am? You want to know how confident I am? How confident are you? I'm so confident. Now, most people don't know this. You know this process. So let me explain to the audience. Um, you get, you got to upload a, it's all digital. So you write your book. Um, you download a template from Amazon. You paste your words uh, into that template. And you got to tweak it and all that other stuff. You got to set up a table of contents. Um, oh, shit. Was, oh, how confident I was. So then you upload it and you can review it digitally. Like, okay, here's this PDF digital reviewer, 
and they give you the option to approve it there on the spot, even though you've never had a physical proof copy put right. in your hand. So they say, all right, does this look good? I am so confident now in the process that I just approve it without getting a physical proof copy. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, that's the same thing I did for my most recent book, and I'll be doing that for the other books. It's just I, I don't know what it is, but um, for, for some reason, some of these these files have just had problems. But I think I've kind of like, I finally figured it out. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting how that's changed in the, the last 10 years. I remember when the Kindles were first announced, this was back when I was in college um, and I thought it was a really quaint idea, but then you realize how, how great it is to be able to walk around with, you know, 300 books in a single little tablet um, size thing instead of having to carry around, you know, how many books in your, your backpack or, or store it in your house. I don't even know why any people read. If it was me, like if the world was full of me's, there wouldn't be books. <laughs> It'd just be audiobook. And it wouldn't even be audiobook. It'd be a bunch of guys saying, "Why the fuck would I listen to that? They're just going to make a movie out of it anyway. I don't have to read this shit." And and then, so, so well, whose voice, who, whose voice would do the books? Well, I have uh, Jim Fear doing the books now. What do you mean, like in the future, or what? You in perfect clarity world, or what? Yeah, yeah. If you could pick any any guy to do your uh, to do your books, what would you do? Oh, dead or alive? Uh, either one. James Coburn. James, that's a good choice. James Coburn, absolutely. Yeah, he's got that. I mean, you can't even impersonate it. It's, yeah, <laughs> I'd have James Coburn because it would be so authoritative about the only thing I think I could do better that might be better. Gregory Peck. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he doesn't James, have James, Cor- James Coburn might throw people off with that Australian accent. Um, but Wait, he was Australian? I thought he was American. James Coburn? Um uh, he might have been American. I'm not sure. Uh, he was the guy in the Great Escape and the Magnificent Seven, right? Right, right. Yeah, I don't think he was Australian. Hang on, let's look this up. If there was only, if we only had technology, I'm trying to, I'm trying to remember. Oh, James Cope. I'm pretty sure he's American. Now I can't tell if he was just playing one in in the Great Escape. See, that's what kind of throws me uh, off. I thought he played an American. Let me see. Born in Laurel, Nebraska. Okay. Okay. Yeah, can't, Got that can't wrong. Get more. Uh, can't get more American than that. Boy, he was probably born right next to John Wayne. Yeah, speaking of John, I was just watching one of John Wayne's uh, films the other day. I can't understand what led his parents to name him Marion. Uh, like, I'm, I'm trying to understand the, the, the mindset or, like, the reasoning. It, it's almost like the neighborhood should have gotten together and, and just said, we, we want to understand who we're dealing with right here. Well, maybe that was like their grandfather, his grandfather, or grandmother, Marion. But you know, they're out in Iowa. I've been to his birthplace. There's, there's not much out there. Um, maybe yeah, Marion was a common name in the 1910s. Yeah. Speaking of John Wayne, um, I don't know if you know, but there's the John Wayne Trail in Washington State, and now they're thinking about changing the name. Uh huh. To what? Who knows? They came up with a list, but it's just like okay. But there's a whole like John Wayne Trail. Uh, a club or, or organization that's obviously against it. But, you know, I mean, you can just come up with or imagine why they're trying to get rid of the name. Well, I'm sure because he, what, said Indian in the movies or something or <laughs> had a gun. Even though he friended most of the Indians, he'd always kind of, I don't know if you ever saw McClintock. Have you seen that? Uh, no, I haven't. Oh, I gotta- oh, God, geez. You're so wrong about so many things. We'll go through them later oh, on today. Dude, but- I was watching Rio Bravo. Okay, that's good, but you haven't seen McClintock. That's that's like 
That's a classic. Look, if you're in a bad mood, okay, let's say you're in a bad mood. You're sick and tired of all the hairy vagina that's up there in Seattle. And you can't find a feminine I'm not in woman. Seattle anymore. I know, I know. But, like, I'm picturing your all the women look like Sasquatch. A lot of hair. I'm just picturing a lot of hair. No girls are wearing makeup in your little mountain town. And they're all wearing plaid with pigtails. And it's the farmer's daughter. Um, and, and you're, you know, it's raining, even though it doesn't rain, it's, it's quite sunny where you live. Um, if you're feeling down, watch McClintock and I guarantee you, you'll be in a better movie. There's that no was, better movie to get uh, to out of the doldrums. That was a John Wayne film that was sort of like Dirty Harry, right? Dirty Harry? No, no, not at all. I bet you the, um, it's a, I know like this a, for a fact, it's a version of Taming of the Shrew. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. And, oh, uh, I know which one you're talking about. Is that the one with the redhead? Yeah, Maureen O'Hara. Oh, yeah. Giggity. Oh, yeah. Which, okay, <laughs> speaking of which, this is number one thing you're wrong on. <clears throat> Ingrid Bergman is the, I'm up there in Zion National Park 48 hours ago hiking. I'm like, I'm going to listen to TJ Martinell. And I <laughs> downloaded, all it is is the Clary Don't Know Shit About Women podcast. <laughs> now, you, that is, that is, you might have talked about something else. Like, all I said, all I said is that she's an, she was an attractive woman. That's all I she said. She was. No, it was no, a, it was no, a, it was a, no. It was a public service announcement. I got, I got the thing on podcast. I still have it on my phone probably. <laughs> it wasn't just like she was an attractive woman and Clary thinks she's puke-inducing. I said nothing of the sort. <laughs> Ingrid Bergman was a very attractive woman. I said I would bang. But you made it sound like she was this goddess and like the, the most beautiful woman ever, of which she plainly was not. We're gonna have to disagree on this one. Okay, what? She is like she's the best looking girl ever. No, I didn't say that. Oh, okay. Well, okay. Th- then we're, okay. <laughs> then you agree, Sophia Loren is hotter, like mm-hmm. in her prime. It depends on what you're looking for. I don't. I, I was just thinking, tits and and maybe a nice <laughs> face. I don't. What are you? What are you going to go to a date with these? Where are you going to bring them home to mom? <laughs> well, no. Which one are you? Which which one are you going to have a picture of on your wall? That's the question. Uh Anne Margaret. I think a uh, young Anne Margaret would be up there. Uh, I can't uh, blame uh, you on that one. What? I, that's just. That's just. That's a Spitfire firebrand. Okay. So so we can maybe agree on this one. From Russia with Love. Uh, uh, well, gosh, what's the name of that girl? R- Romanoff. Um, she was an Italian actress. Beautiful, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I was watching that film when I was doing uh, my podcast series on James Bond, and I was just remembering, like, I- I'd watched it like 10 years ago, but I didn't remember how beautiful that girl was. She's she's there. I mean, well, there's beauty and there's hot. Like, if you had Clary's... Okay, so I-, I think that that's the problem is we got to differentiate between beautiful and hot. Well, I agree, but let me explain to you the correct answers so you don't propagate this communist propaganda of <laughs> T.J. Martinell's opinions, all right? In terms of the super hottest chicks that every guy would want to bang, we would go with Anne-Margaret, Jane Mansfield, um, Rita Hayworth. Uh, basically, so basically redheads are at the top of the top tier for you. Uh, were they all redheads? I know. Yeah, and well, blondish, redheadish, but... And Margaret, yeah. Okay. Um, what was the name of the other, other chick? Jane Mansfield? She's a blonde. Uh, Maureen O'Hara, yeah. Maureen O'Hara's not even in the top five. 
I'm, oh. I'm giving you the correct – you should be taking notes, son, is what I'm saying. Write down these correct answers. we got Jane Mansfield and Margaret, um, Rita Hayworth, Sophia Loren, uh, and these are the ones – these are the, the concubines. Okay, These are your <laughs> naughty girls. You do not bring home to mom. You don't go to church with them. The ones you bring home to church, like in true classical female beauty, which is why I think you're going with Ingrid Bergman, you have Ava Mendez of today – Jennifer Aniston of, of my your, um, who else? Oh, Lena Horn. And then, uh, classical beauties. Eh, maybe Cindy Crawford would rank up there, but Ingrid Bergman's just, I don't know. She's just so plain looking. She's not like, uh, oh, God. <laughs> what was the big draw? She had a plain face. Wasn't her accent. Was it? I feel like this is all like arguing over what type of pizza is the best, right? You love uh, cheese, plain cheese pizza, and I like meat plain. lovers. So, plain. Sophia Loren is not plain. She's, well, she's no, the worst. I'm not, I'm not. I'm not saying that. It's just it's all a matter of preference, right? Probably, but I'm I'm much wiser and older than <laughs> I'm probably right. I just think I'd like to think I'm right. Okay, question. Ursula Andress. Right. Oh, Ursula. God. Woo. Yeah. Yeah, okay. She, she, she's she's the naughty camp. She goes into the naughty camp. She goes into the giggity, 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 goo camp. That's, that's where she goes. And, right. and I don't introduce her to anyone in the family. Um, yeah, no, she's up there. She's up there, but... Uh, it's kind of like where where do they fall in the the hot crazy matrix, right? Oh, I'm sure they're all crazy. I don't know. <laughs> Sophia Loren seems pretty normal. I mean, wasn't she married forever too? Like married once and that was See, it. She didn't. It, it was funny you were mentioning that because I think that was one of the reasons that um, Ingrid Bergman. I don't know how much you know about her, but um, she got had a bit of a scandal because she was having an affair, I think, with an Italian producer, or film director, or whatever, and she basically was back blacklisted from Hollywood. And one of the reasons is because people had seen her as sort of this, like, you know, the nice girl, right? The girl next door type thing. And so for her to be caught in this kind of thing was, was sort of a much bigger deal than if she'd had a reputation or an image that didn't, that didn't really fit with that. Um, So she had to go basically go to Europe for a while before she could come back. So it's interesting you say that, because I I would say, yeah, that that's probably, it, it depends on what you're, when you're talking about what you find attractive, well, what kind of girl are we talk about? The girl that you bring home. See, your parents are the one that you never mentioned to anybody ever. Right. But then they turn out to be, well, see, Ingrid Bergman, and then she, see, that's like false advertising. That, that actually goes up in my estimation. Like, okay, you, you may join the Sophia Loren and Margaret crowd now. Okay, <laughs> you have proven yourself worthy. Right. Yeah, and probably Sophia Loren was probably, I'm guessing, I don't know, maybe it's just my idealism, but I think she was married to the same guy forever. And, uh, you know, she probably was not sultry. She looked sultry. She looked great in Mandy La Mancha and uh, whatever that one was that she's got the lingerie outfit on. I didn't even know the name of the movie. I just remember this name. <laughs> uh, yeah. God, now, now I'm distracted. Um, and then Anne Margaret. Oh, 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 dumb as rocks. Dumb as rocks. I mean, you watch her performances <laughs> at the Vietnam uh, road shows and all that. I mean, cannot act to save her life. Uh, she didn't have to. She did not have to. That was like, okay. Right. Oh, all right. Um, I have my list of things that you're wrong on here. <laughs> yeah, that was it. That's just No, one that thing. wasn't it. There's, there's <laughs> a bunch of one thing. <laughs> I got the wrong list. I got the wrong list. Um, 
Oh, Jesus. I almost forgot. Goldfinger. What? Once again, you are wrong. Goldfinger is the best James Bond movie ever. Uh, it's not campy. It's not kitschy. That is, that is the I, I enemy of James Bond. Okay, so let, let me state my case. So I'm not saying that – I think Goldfinger was a great Bond film. I was watching it recently, um, even before I was going to do this podcast series, and I was noticing how much – because I hadn't seen these films for years. You watch them when you're younger, and then you don't mm-hmm. watch them ever again. Um, and I was more thinking about how iconic the film was, how, the, how a lot of the great scenes were, um, how many beautiful girls there were in this film compared oh, to – Pussy Galore's, Galore's flight group? Dude, it's like they ration <laughs> – it's like they ration the attractive women in the new movies. You get like one girl per movie. Um, I, any, Heck, anyways. even video games. Did you hear about that debacle with uh, what? Not Destiny. What was it? Um, well, I know they got the whole SJW thing in the video game industry where they're just, you know, anti all that. But um, the thing about Goldfinger that I guess the only thing I would hold against it is that just the the fight scene at the end is a little cheesy. That's it. Like it's a great film if you want to watch a good Bond film. It's just people think of it as like this the the, the most. Um, I, and again, it's it, what kind of Bond film are you looking for? You're looking for one that's a little bit more realistic um, in terms of fight scenes, or it, it just gets a little comic. I mean, look at the henchmen, the, the Goldfinger's henchmen. They all wearing those dorky uniforms. Um, they, they don't really look. It it's almost kind of makes you laugh looking at it now in in the modern day. Whereas you watch a film like For Your Eyes Only, and there's that dock or pure fight in Albania where all the guys are dressed like normal men. So it's not really, there's not an opportunity to to make fun of it or lampoon it or really laugh at it um, because they're all, you know, carrying AR 15s or M16s or whatever and they're dressed in sea clothes. Mm. That was the only point. I'm not like, I think Goldfinger was one of the best Bond films. I just think that people don't really want to point out some of the the ways that it's aged. Um, it certainly aged better. I mean, come on. It's got um, – what was the name of that one girl? It wasn't just Honor Blackman. You had the, the one girl, um, uh, the one at the very beginning who gets painted in gold. Oh, she was, in, she was in The Saint. She's hot. Oh, yeah. She, and then she, got, goes into the, she goes into the concubine camp. Yeah, and, and, then you, yeah. and then you got the 1964 Aston Martin DB5, one of the most beautiful cars ever made. Right. You've got, you've got just a lot of great – stuff so yeah it's a, it's a great bond film it's just people need to be aware of what they're getting themselves into when they watch it because they might end up laughing at at some of those scenes where you just have to understand it's a little cart it, the movie is meant to be a little cartoonish right but that's james bond you're not supposed to look what i miss daniel craig you haven't gotten now you've you've been doing a series on james bond right um and you haven't gotten to daniel craig you got up to um what's his name pierce Tim- brosnan yeah um uh, but Daniel Craig is just not fun at all. And I think it's been already established with as canon and lore with James or I'm sorry, Sean Connery and certainly Roger Moore. I think Roger Moore went a little bit too much on the campy side with the needle. But there is this touch of humor and a little bit of cartoonishness occurring right. or that is part of James Bond. I think that that's the thing about um, have you noticed in Daniel Craig's films? I was I was studying them for doing this podcast and I noticed I don't think a single one of them plays the James Bond theme during the movie. They only really? play it during the Yeah. It's really, really weird. Um, it, it's sort of like with um, – there was a double – so there was a James Bond theme and then there was the 007 theme. Um, I'm not going to try and hum it. People can look it up on um, YouTube. They played that throughout uh, the first couple of films, starting with From Us With Love, and the last film they ever played it in was Moonraker, and they haven't played it since. And so I thought it was really weird that I think it was um, maybe 
Tomorrow Never Di- or sorry, Die Another Day was the last one that played the Bond theme. And I was just, uh, that was kind of the thing that was frustrating about me watching the Daniel Craig films is I'm waiting for them to finally play this song in the middle of some scene where he's being chased. You know, there's the hot babe in the, the front passenger seat and there's explosions going off everywhere and they start playing the song. And I was like waiting for them to finally bring Bond back and it never happened. And it's almost like that 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 part of the series is kind of gone. I I haven't, well, I wouldn't be paying, see, what was it? Casino Royale. Gave me a lot of hope for Daniel Craig. Yeah, and I thought James it was Bond. I was like, that was a great movie. I think it'd probably be second or third favorite Bond. Uh, it's ranked very highly, and then it just shat the bed from there on <laughs> out. Where the the plots were so either obscure or obtuse, or I just lost interest. Um, well, I mean, you there's no wonder. humor. There's no fun. You and know what the problem is, you know what the uh, problem is, and this he's is not the- getting laid enough. Well, not to spoil the the my own podcast series that I'm going to end it on, but you, you really have to ask the question: what What exactly does Bond stand for anymore? What What is he trying to to defend? Because he's a creation of a the um, post World War II um, Cold War era, and so he represents certain values that are no longer shared or represented or conveyed through British culture today. So he's almost like he doesn't belong anywhere. And the only enemies he has left are, are basically terrorists. Right. But wh- why? I think they've done a good job. I mean, if you look at going back to the 60s bonds, he wasn't going up against communists. Now, I know that was the backdrop in the setting, but Goldfinger was not part of a Russian government. Russia with love. Okay, there were Russian involved. Um, there's usually some megalomaniac madman who is apolitical. Uh, and we saw that within the 80s with. Um, Timothy Dalton, the drug trade. So I think there's always going to be a villain that will fit a, you know, and then in the nineties to point out the guy's a, a pre-internet media mogul. Uh, so I yeah. think that doesn't really hamper or take away that aspect of bond. Uh, I just think it's a question of, do people even like share his values anymore? Do they even like the, what he represents? I think that he's, it's sort of like um, uh, how Harrison Ford's character, um, Han Solo in the original star Wars it's almost like they killed him off in the new series. I know they probably didn't conscientiously think about it, but if you think, but if you really consider it, Han Solo's character is not really valued or liked by today's society. He's that cocky, um, uh, upstart alpha male. You think so? I, I just wonder, I'm not saying that this is something that they explicitly like sit down and think as a group, we're going to get rid of him. It's almost like, they they subconsciously think what what do we exactly how does Bond fit into what we want him to do? They were kind of doing that in the '90s, actually. They, um, as I talked about my podcast, that they were wondering, so how do we fit James Bond into the '90s, where you had kind of the pink fem, uh, peak feminism and you had the Cold War ending? And so, there, if you watch Goldeneye, there's a lot of that. M calls him a, a sexist, misogynist. Dinosaur. Oh yeah, yeah. They brought in Judy and Dench. Said, yeah. yeah, and then Money Penny jokes about him committing, you know, sexual harassment stuff. And so there's that. Um, I think that unease with him as a character that is finally playing out, and and they're wondering what do we do with him. I don't I, know though. I've seen some now. To be sure, I've seen some scenes in the new Bond films where it's actually he's Daniel Craig is pretty cruel. Um, in ways that you would think that they wouldn't wouldn't do nowadays. So I, I don't know. I, I think part of it is they they're they're taking a character from, that was created in the 1950s and they're trying to uh, 
put him into a context that he didn't come from. Um, right. No, there, of that, there's no doubt. Uh, I mean, I don't... think about him like he's like Captain America. He's like Steve Rogers, Captain America, where he's been as a character. He's now 50 years out of his own time zone. And so at least in Captain with the Captain America character in the Avengers film, they acknowledge that and he slowly adapts. But they don't do that with Bond where it, there's not that um, uh, acknowledgement that he is not um, – at least in Goldeneye they did that, but they haven't done that with the newer films. And so – but at, at the same time, I think the other problem is they have problems figuring out which group, like what bad guys can they come up with now. Um Oh, I'm, I I, that's that's the least of their concern. What what I what you're seeing happening, and if you saw in Han Solo, you see it in video games, but you can see it in Bond. Is his environment <laughs> around him is changing? Uh, Judy Dench coming in as M, uh, the sexual harassment uh, comments. But another thing you might find this interesting if you want to do your research. I calculated the number of women each Bond actor slept with per movie. And it has been going down, and Daniel Craig has slept with the least number of women per James Bond show. So I think that's certainly the hand of the movie studios. I think it's the directors. You have uh, – who's the director for – or not director, but in charge of all these new Star Wars films? Um, she wore a shirt like I'm a feminist and – Yeah, yeah, she, yeah. Whatever yeah. her Adam, name is. What was his name? Yeah. No, uh, no, no can... it's a woman. It's a woman. Oh, She's God. in charge of Star Wars now. Yeah. Now, I know why they did that with Timothy Dalton's films. Um, I didn't go too much into it, but that was really during the whole AIDS scare in the mid-late 80s um, mm-hmm. when they just thought that it was going to end up being epidemic. And so they were really downplaying that with Bond. Um, but then you come out in the 90s and it's, you know, it changes a little bit. But I think, yeah, I, I was kind of the thing I was noting when I was watching Goldfinger and you're watching all these other um, earlier Bond films like Thunderball or whatever, there's just these beautiful women everywhere. In the oh, he's yeah, banging away, yeah. I mean, yeah, like, yeah, a girl, yeah. Yeah, like uh, like Thunderball. There's like four, <laughs> like four, like, and we're not talking about just uh, you know some uh, fairly attractive girls. We're talking about like some of the most beautiful women you'll ever well, see. Yeah, that's fine. That's well, and that's right. that's the point that I was going to make is. What I'm, what I'm betting, look at one of the most popular and successful movies was Guardians of the Galaxy 1. The second one was emotional ass. That was just <laughs> dripping emotional ass. But the reason, many of now is really good, but one of the main reasons, of which there are many, that I thought Guardians of the Galaxy was really good is because Peter Quill's character is like a Han Solo. And so I don't care what leftist, brainwashed, socialist, social justice warrior, now Gen X people who are in charge over in Hollywood want to do for politics. Uh, the the swashbuckling, zero fucks to give, I'm taking care of number one, come along with me if you want, babe, but don't you, you, know, don't you get in my way between me and my freedom. Women are always going to get wet to that. They're always going to get wet to a man like Jen. Like, don't you tell me a real woman. I'm not talking these women that are looking to get insulted. All right. I'm not talking your modern day millennial girls who came fresh out of the academy with their masters and look in the mirror studies or whatever. <laughs> but in James Bond, one of the greatest, if not the greatest scene in all the James Bond is where he introduces, was it Dink? Some girl's giving him a back rub over in Miami. Oh, yeah. Goldfinger. And then, oh, yeah. yeah. Is- Felix Leiter comes in. He's like, oh, Felix. She's like, Felix, say hello to Dink. Oh, 
buying a dick, say hello to Fig. Say goodbye to Dick. Why? <laughs> Man talking. He fakes her right in the ass. Every real woman loves that. Every real, real woman wants James Bond to do that to her. And not in a crude or overpowering or deep say it was just cute it was just get out of here baby well, he like did, that's he, what a real man he did does the same, he did the same thing in for much with love did he like the, the, the same the same smacking like like playful like not in a, a violent way but yeah it's you watch those films and you you see stuff that you almost wouldn't see today because not because it's you know it's just foreboding it's you're just not that's not the way men are supposed to behave anymore um, right. Uh, so, but what I'm what I'm saying is <clears throat> nothing that overt. But if you want to run a successful movie, you can either play to the the half cock theories of fat now old bitter aged feminists from the 1970s, or you can play to two million years of human evolution. And you know where my money's going to be? Two million years of human evolution. Girls want to see. Uh, a good-looking guy go out and kick ass. Guys want to see a John Wick go out there and blast all the bad guys away. Uh, and you could you could say, uh, all right, we're gonna we're gonna introduce other environmental factors to keep up with the political times. Now you have a female boss. Fine. Uh, now you have <laughs> Miss Moneypenny doesn't flirt with James Bond anymore. And if it is, it's certainly nowhere near to the level that um, the original Miss Money. Oh my God, those are charming scenes. Where Sean, who was the actress that played the original Money Pen? Um, it was Lois Maxwell. That those two on the screen, her and Sean Connery, yeah. where he, she, he, they just knew each other's characters so well. That is charming, and every woman would love to have that uh, give and take with a guy oh, like dude, a James. There was, Bond a, there was that line, like the first scene, um, Sean Connery and Lo- Lois Maxwell in Doctor No. And he walks in dressed in his dinner jacket because he had just gotten back from uh, the casino. And she goes, you'd never take me anywhere wearing the dinner jacket. You'd never take me anywhere. And he goes, well, you know, I would. But and would have me arrested or court-martialed for misuse of government property. You can't – I mean, it's just the stuff well, that makes – it's wow. scripted. See, here's the problem. You have this problem when you were younger because I could tell. And it's because I had it too. I, I started watching those movies about the same time you did, like The Great Escape and Humphrey Bogart and The Great Great Pecks and, um, you know, all, all these old movies. And I'm like, man, how, how can I be as cool as these guys? How can I come up with the witty thing? It's like you don't come up with it. That's been entirely scripted. Right. It's entire, you know, it's one of the greatest lines is Cary Grant. And I've <laughs> used it. I've used it many times because you can assume you're going to get shot down with the I've got a boyfriend. Or I've got a husband. And right. he was in Charade. You ever see Charade? I haven't seen that one. I've seen a lot of Cary Grant films, though. This is this is why you have no authority on anything. You haven't seen Charade. <laughs> you haven't seen McClintock. Why are we even talking right now? I hope you could take in a lot of notes on this. All right. Carrie, you got a, two movies you're going to watch tonight. Charade and McClintock, all right? If you got the time. Um, but he's going up to Audrey Hepburn. And he makes a he makes a pass at her, tries to hit on her, and she's like, "Oh well, I'm married." And he's like, "Oh, well, that's too bad." And he says, "Well, if anyone goes on the critical list, let me know." And I have <laughs> used that so many times. Like you're you're going in, man. You're going in, and you're getting shot at. Yeah, getting hit, getting hit, and then you're about to go down. And you say, "Well, if anyone goes on the critical list, let me know." You pull out of it, look like a million bucks. And she's like, "Who was that man?" 
<laughs> and they don't know you're completely plagiarizing Cary Grant. Yeah, the 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 problem is though you got to make sure you deliver it as though you came up with it because if you're just reciting a line straight out, they'll know. Um, that's no, one they thing won't. I've learned. No, they won't. What? How bad is your acting that you can't pull that off? No, the worst part is when I'll I'll come up with an original line and they're convinced that it's from a movie. That's the worst part. It's when you come up with something that you actually thought of off the top of your head and they can't believe that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, but I mean, obviously, when I was younger, I was repeating every movie line that I was hearing because I thought they were funny. And then you get older and realize uh, what you're actually saying. And of course, then the girls start understanding what you're actually saying too. <laughs> I I don't know. I mean, do we? Do, I know my generation. I, I bet you if you looked at it, only 10% of Gen X women have seen, oh, you know, take Choose Your Poison, The Great Escape, uh, Charade. Yeah, what is it? Okay. What is it with people not seeing these classic films? I, I don't, they're, I could, they're conditioned. Are you asking why normal people don't do normal things or do normal things? Why, why the sheep <laughs> like I'm going to think about I'm going to take back what I just asked. I, right. it's, rhetor- it's rhetorical. Somebody it's should like, write a book about somebody should write a book about how statistically few smart people there are in the world and how they just can't get along or understand the rest of society. <laughs> Someone there might be a there might be a market for a book like that. Uh, no, that's that's uh, that's just what it is. I mean, you what shocks me, and and I'll never understand it until I'm dead because I I can't understand it. Is how just boring. And not even in terms of like people's lives. Oh, yeah, everyone commutes. Everyone goes to work. Everyone has debt. Everyone has a mortgage. Everyone has 2.1 kids. But when you have your free time, just how boring and common people are with their choices, with their free time and their freedom. And so people will listen. I, like, what was it? I, I'm on Vegas right now. And I'm driving down the street on my motorcycle. And people turn the music up because they got convertibles or you, they just want to be Vegas assholes. And the music that is playing is horrible. Yeah. Just it's noise. I'm like, how can you listen to this? And it's the same thing with movies. I go to less than one in a hundred movies that come out because not only do I think most of the movies are ass, they are ass. They are rank, filthy, feces, smeared ass. There is no reason to waste two hours, three if you can include commute of your time watching these movies or consuming whatever the vast majority of media and entertainment is out there. So it doesn't shock me that if you're an average IQ person and not even average plus or minus one standard deviation and you are heavily propagandized uh, that you will swallow at home. That's, I guess what another thing I don't understand is how people are so easily duped and susceptible to propaganda and marketing. I thought, I thought like there's no way they believe the teacher. And you look and you turn back and you're that one son of a bitch who stepped forward, you know, and you're like, you sons of bitches. You don't realize what an evil woman this is. People are, they just eat it up, man. They eat it up. And I, I will never understand why, but um, yeah, that's, that's why most of the gals, most of the guys, what, what do you suppose? I mean, I know it's a guy film, but let's, let's play on the other side. Uh, Let's take a good romantic comedy. Um, Bachelor in the Bobby Soxer. You ever watched that one? Which one? Bachelor in the Bobby Soxer. I've heard of it. I haven't watched it, no. Okay. For, let's admit that The um, Great Escape is a masculine movie, so statistically fewer women are going to watch that thing, guys, because it appeals more to men. Right. Uh, but in the same token, you would think some women would have seen a classic like that or Bridge Over the River Kwai 
or The Guns of Navarone. These were good action films that that women of all ages should have probably seen. On the same hand, on the other token, would be very popular um, romantic comedies that, although targeted towards women, were very charming back in the late 50s. Um, not North by Northwest. Uh, what's the other one with Cary Grant? Father Goose, everything. Father Goose. Oh, dude, dude. My family, I grew up on that. My, my mom my mom loved that film. She it's always, a great we, film. Yeah, we would go to, to the local um, movie rental store. They had like two movies for 99 cents on Tuesdays. She mm-hmm. would pick up that film and some other film. And, you know, of course, we were young, but we understood, you know, at that age that it was a World War II movie, so it was worth watching. And so we, we thought it was it was a great movie. So we, I mean, and I, <clears throat> this is kind of a separate note, but it's kind of one of the things that I lament about the loss of Blockbuster and all these other um, uh, movie v- rental stores is that they used to have all these old films so the parents could expose their kids to these these movies. But now all they got is uh, Redbox or some variation of that. And then they got Netflix. Well, not every film is on Netflix. Not every film is on in Redbox. And so I remember one time I was trying to watch the new Sherlock Holmes film or the one that came out back in 2009 with um, Robbie Downey Jr. I could not mm-hmm. find it on Netflix and I couldn't find it on Redbox. So I was thinking how many great films are out there that so many people have never seen because they were just never available. Um, I think that's part of the problem is that when we were growing up, there was the movie rental store where your parents could go grab that film from the fifties or the forties or the sixties. That was really good and bring it back home and then expose their kids to some decent culture. But nowadays it's like all they got is their smartphones and Netflix. Right. And I, I hate to go to, with such a, Oh, what we call default and cliched answer, but it's, I say it because it's true, but people's time, uh, spans or their attention spans yeah, have been totally dropping. Agree. And especially now, whenever we were talking about, it, I think on another podcast a while ago, once you introduce smartphones and high-speed internet, these kids today, I can understand why younger millennials haven't seen the classics, uh, be it a Rio Bravo or John Wayne or anything that's older than, than heck five years old. I can see that. But people certainly of my generation, people younger 30s such as yourself, it's it's shocking it's like, what did you do? Did you watch a bunch of Winona Ryder movies? Did you watch <laughs> what? What filth and slop did you write? What do you do with your day? And then, then you know where the answer is, TJ. Do you know where the answer is? I saw the it parents. today, and I no, not the parents. Oh. Do you know, no. Well, yeah, certainly the parents, but it's in the grocery store, and I'm going through the checkout aisle, and I look, and it's People magazine and The oh. Acquirer. And Princess So and So was sucking Princess Such and Such dick, and oh, will will this uh, black white mixed race couple divorce? Who gets the kids? I don't know. Oh my god! And I'm like reminded, oh yeah, yeah, that's that's what they've been reading and what this is what's that's what the Kardashians are doing. Well, it kind of kills me is just a lot. On top of the lack of movie history, you also have a total lack of knowledge about history. Um, I have, for example, um, uh, framed in my in my house. I have framed illustrations that were drawn by a World War II vet that I got a chance to talk to. First guy, obviously, landing craft at Omaha Beach. Uh, he has an illustration he did of him coming out of his landing craft at the beach. All these other ones. And I tell this to older guys like uh, baby boomers or, or generation Xers, and they're like, they're in awe. They want to look at them and stare at them. I tell it to millennials, and they look at me like, yeah, did they get a sunburn at the beach? Like, they have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I'm, just, I'm like, Omaha Beach, dude. Like, this is like as iconic, like part of American history type thing. And they're like, okay, we have no idea what happened to this beach. It sounds like a movie. 
to them that they never watched. Right. Uh, They've so, never seen Saving Private Ryan, even though, what, it was 2000, maybe 1990. Yeah, but, well, that's, a, that's the thing. Like, Saving Private Ryan, you think that everybody would be watching these movies, but I think that part of what you're saying is right. Once you add the smartphone, um, it's just the uh, you see some of these games that they play on the smartphones that it, it one they're Candy less crush? well they're less intelligent than the nes games at least super mario required a little bit of uh, skill and duck hunt or whatever russian attack but i just i don't know it's almost like they uh, i don't know it's like the lowest common denominator type thing where they're not interested in doing something that's a little bit more challenging um i think it all, a part of it is also just I, I think people get so stressed out with the modern day lifestyle um, constantly by being bombarded by um, notifications and information and they got their hour and a half commute and they've got their their work environment where they're also bombarded by emails and meetings or whatever that they're they're so stressed out that they got to have something that that doesn't require any thinking whatsoever and reading takes too much time watching a good movie takes too much time because you, you actually need to be able to enjoy it so they just pick up their smartphone and download some app and then play that about that that's presupposing these are adults with jobs even or or adults you'd be surprised not not only you'd be you'd be surprised that some of the games i've seen adults play or or some of the like they will watch they they just want to unwind um it's kind of like how uh you know like um maybe not maybe not precise example and i'm in no way shape or form impugning uh the good the good name of bill burr but kind of like the same reason he watches football kind of just unwind and and enjoy himself but i think that they're uh, at least with football, there, there's something to watch. You're watching men play a sport, and, and at least from the right perspective, you're you're watching athletes try to perform well. You're not really invested in the the drama outside the football stadium. But with these games, I mean, I don't know. I, I've seen some of them, and I just wonder like what's going on. I have the cheapest smart smartphone possible, and I, in fact, I'm wanting to go back to a dumb phone um, as soon as possible. I'm, I'm afraid I see that happen. It's almost like, you know, you see your friend infected with the zombie virus and you're afraid it's going to happen to you. Hmm. Well, I've, I've had, well, we, you've written, I've written about it, but yeah, I've, I've, I will delete Facebook and Twitter from my phone uh, for, you know, a week here or two weeks there at a time just to unplug. Unfortunately, I need it for my, for my job. Those are basically the press release. Yeah, that's why I have to keep mine. I have to keep yeah. mine for my job, but it, it's just, I like um, putting it away somewhere. That's why I go on hikes so often. That's what I was doing hikes. You, um, you go summer. on hikes because it's in your back freaking yard. I'm so jealous. <laughs> like, you know, I, here I am thinking like, I'm Aaron Clary and I'm swinging my big free dick in the United States and look at me brag on the internet. But I got to drive to these places. You, you just walk out your front door. It's like, well, I'm going to climb this gorgeous peak. I'm like, shit, I got to drive 500 miles to get to that. Yeah, it's nice. It's nice not having to drive two hours anymore. I used to wake up at like five o'clock in the morning, and then I drive oh. out to, to oh. one of these mountains. Yeah, it's it's great. Now at the same time, I got to see some amazing sunrises, and I'm probably going to do that this summer. Um, oh, you're one of those people, sunrise people. Oh, I hate you people. Oh, dude, oh. dude, they play. Here's the thing, though. The, um, one of the uh, hotels in town, the owner gets up on top of the balcony and plays the Alphorn in the morning. So hearing that, like just going through the val, the the, um, I guess the canyon or whatever, yeah. it's something. It's something to hear. So, uh, you know, in other places, maybe not necessarily, but in our in our area. But 
Yeah, and then um, being able to go places where there aren't a whole lot of people, or at least when the, pe the people who are there are interesting, like they come from interesting lives. I remember when I was hiking one time in the morning, I came across a guy who looked like something right out of one of those like traditional Alpine hiking history books. Like he was wearing the traditional garb, and he, yeah. he was from Austria. And then his two friends were from uh, were from Serbia. They they would yeah. escape during that like horrible civil war that was going on there. Mm -hmm. And so they were telling me about all that stuff. Like you, you just never know who you're going to meet um, when you're going on hikes. And they tend to be, obviously, since they're out in doing outdoors and they're out in places most people don't go, they're probably going to be a little bit more interesting than the average person. Oh, guarantee. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah. now if you avoid the little touristy trap kind of hikes, yeah, dude, but yeah, if you're out there, you're going to meet. You're not meeting normal people. You're definitely meeting some some version of an accomplished individual. Well, that's what's killing me about Washington State. Our population in the last 10 years is, has increased um, incredibly, particularly it's all been mostly in the Seattle area. So um, a lot of these people have been discovering that we have mountains everywhere. And a lot of the people are not from areas where there are any mountains. So they bought, you know, bottle up the trailheads. You can't. I remember during the weekday, I decided to go on a hike with a friend. We showed up to the, the trailhead at like 930 and it was completely packed. And it was not a small uh, parking lot at all. And it was, again, in the middle of the weekday, um, and it was not during the summer. So, and the trail was also full. And a lot of these people do not understand trail etiquette at all. Oh, so, do not get me started. I was at Zion National. Oh, yeah, I, dude, I just saw that photo when you were oh back. My you were, oh, my gosh. <laughs> let, let, dude, let me explain. I'm sorry, dude. I cannot do that. I can't do what you did, like the, the whole chain thing with a thousand foot drop on both sides. I. Let me let me tell you who can do that. Interestingly <laughs> enough, let me bring this up because this is this is Cappy, and I had a I had a rant because as I said, I was tuning into the TJ Martinell podcast, and dude, there's nothing better. I love more like you, Beckloff, Adam Piggott, the Great One, Greasy. I mean, I just get all my nerd buddies. I, I'm gonna load up on podcasts. I'm gonna go hike the fucking shit out of this national park. It's just wonderful. So I'm looking forward to this. It, um, it's not busy season yet, so we get in there. They take the tram, and there's Angels Landing. And I was with two buddies. Uh, well, my girlfriend and a buddy. And my girlfriend is a buddy, but I was like, okay, you guys do your thing because I hiked with them the day before. You guys are slow. You're pissing me off. I'm sick and tired of doing that. I didn't sign up for affirmative action hiking. You people go <laughs> hike the fucking bullshit kiddie pool hike or whatever. So they did Emerald Pools or whatever. I'm doing Angels Landing. So – the goal was I'd get up to the top and down by the time they did Emerald Pool, and then we'd take we'd meet at another trailhead for another hike, and we go do a shorter one. And Angel's Landing is pretty steep. Um, it's two point five miles one way, and it's a uh, thousand foot gain. Um, I'd have to double check the math. But you go flat for a little bit, but then the switchbacks really start hitting you. We're talking 30, 35, even 45-degree switchbacks. And you get up to Walter Wade. Then you're on top of this plateau, and then you go basically the exact same direction you came from. But now you're on that, that picture that you saw where at times it could be a foot wide right. uh, and with a 1,000-foot drop on each side. And, you're, and then you're going up at a 60-degree climb. You're, like, using these chains. You're basically – Going up, you're pulling up on, on the chains. Going down, you're rappelling down, essentially. So it's it's not a not a, a terribly easy hike, but it's easy enough. So I'm thinking, all right, I'm going to get up there. 
I'm going to try and do it in under an hour um, because that'd be hauling ass. It'd be really good. Be, in my own personal best, I want to like see if I can do it. Plus, I had to get back down. Plus, there's bragging rights. There's no better way to turn on your, your wife or your girlfriend where I'm going to achieve this physical accomplishment that won't change the outcome of the world one bit except to say that I did it. And then they're like, oh, wow, you did it. How am I that? So I do that. So I'm charging up this hill, and I'm doing it. I'm passing. Well, when you get to those uh, one-foot-wide, thousand-foot drop on each side chained areas, it becomes a bottleneck. And these goddamn Asian tourists, and I'm just sitting there looking at them. And they're from the mainland. They're not in the United States. They're not uh, Asian-American, if that's the only proper time that phrase has ever been used. Um, these are these are Asian Asians. They're, they came over on a boat or a plane. They don't live here. Uh, they're speaking a foreign language, and they're fucking tourists. And these guys, I don't know if Asians aren't afraid of height or what, but they're stopping. They're taking pictures. They got the selfie. And I'm like, this is just like driving in traffic. It's like you're being in the left lane. They're, they're I, I, fucking I almost, slow on the goddamn interstate, and they're slow up here in the goddamn mountains. I almost want to give them credit for the fact that they didn't freak out. With yeah, it was, I, it I'm, was. I'm kind of impressed now that I think about it because uh, there's no way I'm stopping to take pictures on that. Um, I'm heading straight up and getting getting down as soon as possible. I, I mean, I'm I have. Uh, an interesting form of acrophobia. I'm okay with heights as long as there's a gradual, um, uh, what do you call it? Um, slope? Yeah, slope. As long as there's a gradual slope, I don't mind being up on high areas. But when it's just a, such a sudden uh, uh, and, and steep drop, I just get like something in my mind locks up so yeah you wouldn't have liked this hike you yeah i I was i was actually planning i was i was doing research today on on zion national park because i'm planning to go there this year and i was looking at that and thinking "Eh," you know it's something that you don't want to start freaking out over when you're halfway there yeah don't don't do that i would i would do the narrows do the narrows of zion national there's no heights in that you're just walking up the water uh, or stream i mean i've I've done stuff that's far more dangerous actually in hindsight i just didn't realize at the time because it wasn't a it was a gradual thing but if i had fallen i was going across this uh snow field but if i had fallen i probably would have slipped off the side of this ridge line but i just didn't realize it at the time right right yeah no i don't know why they they weren't and these weren't like young in shape. These are people like who are 40 or 50 and they must have taken three, four hours to get up there. And, and they're like, ah, ha, ha, you're taking pictures. And I'm like, do you not see the death that is literally three <laughs> inches from your foot? Yeah, it's, it's out there. Like their camera like they're so sticks. used to it. Well, it's, it's like they're so used, they come from a culture where they're so used to it. I, I can't remember which country it is, but I think it's in uh, somewhere in Asia. Um, we're just car accident deaths are so or, or just pedestrian deaths are so frequent that people just you know somebody die, gets hit by a car or they get run over and people just kind of move on like you know it's just the thing um well, i kind of like how I, I was chatting with a, a a relative of mine about how in new york you remember those those famous photos of those guys up on the skyscrapers where they're oh yeah the, yeah are working on the girders having their yeah. breakfast or lunch or whatever and i was saying how um we were debating about what the death rate was for those guys. And I discovered that I think it was um, one in five either died or was like maimed or whatever, like they they fell. And so I think back then in, at that time in, in our culture, just, we accepted the fact that people were going to 
uh, who were working those jobs, people, some people were going to die. Like that was just accepted. It wasn't considered something that was beyond that. And I almost wonder if that's the same thing in these, these cultures that they come from where they, if, I, I mean, I don't know, I, this is all speculation, but whether or not they just assume, yeah, we could die, but we're going to go up anyways. You know, we're, it's, you know, the, the know. only thing I could kind of come up with is many years ago when I was working security, I'm not a big guy. <clears throat> I was even a smaller guy back then. Um, is, you know, you're paid, you have this job. And if you're escorting somebody, you're not supposed to get no fight or anything like that. You're not a cop. Uh, but you know, you're going to be patrolling at 2 AM and there's going to be drunks coming out. You're going to go to a bad part of town, whatever. So, and I don't know, but you just turned it off and there was like no fear because it was already predetermined in your mind or somewhere in the back recess of your mind, it just switches off. So I remember there was this one time this, God, he was six, four, six, five, just a tall, big bum. And I'm like saying, hey, get out of here. You got to get out of here. I don't have mace. I don't have a gun. I got. I don't even have a stick. I just got my freaking walkie-talkie. <laughs> and and I didn't feel a danger at any point in time. Probably could have been had my neck snapped at that time. But it's just like, no, these are the rules. Get out of here. So it's kind of like, yeah, we're up here. We're gonna. What are we going to do? Worry about it? So I, um, I, so I got a question. Have you ever hiked um, or climbed King's Peak? In Utah? Yeah. No, what is that? Fourteen and change. Yeah, so my dad um, and my brother and I did that when I was in eighth grade, and mm-hmm. the the way up to the top, there's a path in one section that's sort of like Angel's Landing, where you've got about I'd say seven to eight feet width of a trail, and then it's just on the right side, it's just dead drop for like a mile mm-hmm. or something like that. I, I don't maybe I'm exaggerating with the mile thing. I just remember I was in eighth grade, I was absolutely terrified of that. And my brother and my dad, of course, are not afraid of heights at all. So they're laughing and giving me a hard time. <laughs> and we're at like um, 13,000 feet uh, elevation. And, you know, the Pacific Northwest is not high elevation. So I'm already struggling to breathe um, as a. Wait, this is, wait, this is Utah or over in uh, yeah, Washington? Oh, no, no, no. This is in King's Peak. But just I was not used to, you know, they, they had done, uh, my brother's a little bit older. My dad had done um, like Mount Whitney. They had done. Mountains oh, that have okay. high elevation. Mm-hmm. And so I was not used to that. So I'm already struggling to like, you know, keep my brain, the oxygen level, you know, relatively normal. And then we've got this, you know, thousand foot drop on the right side um, of this peak. I, I mean, I'm glad we did it, but it was just, it, it, that's what um, Angel's Landing kind of reminded me of is going up that way. Um, you know, part of mo- that was only part of the way up there because when you reach the actual mountain, um, there's this huge meadow. It looks like something out of Lord of the Rings. Um, I remember at the time when we got there. So most of the elevation gain has been done by the time you get there, but you still got to climb up the mountain. But just this this one section of that trail was, if if you have any fear of heights, it's um, going to freak you out. But of course, my dad just said, "Tough you know, tough it up and keep moving." Yeah, no, I haven't. The only other place that's been, it's not as bad as Angel's Landing, but it's only a 500-foot drop, so you'll, you'll only be half as dead. Um, <laughs> this, these switchbacks, you can drive down, and it's really only w- wide enough for one-and-a-half cars, so you kind of got an impasse yeah. if one's going up, one's going down, but it's in Canyonlands National Park, so I forget the name of the of the trail down, but yeah, when you go to Can- – I know Canyonlands is my favorite national park, and I recommend you go there, but don't uh, – don't. I don't think that's you. 
I don't think because you're gonna all it is is just cliffs straight down. That's all it really is. There's like three layers of cliffs. You know what's and crazy? They're though? All deathly, and I don't think you'd like them. There, there was this mountain I hiked last August. It's called Red Mountain. It's by Snoqualmie Pass here in Washington, and it has the same thing where at the very top it's just a dead drop on the opposite side. Well, I hiked it on a misty day and got up to the top, and you know realized looking down that it was you know a what it was was a dead drop. And the the fact that the mist was covering it, for some reason, I didn't freak out. But it, <clears throat> yeah, that's that's one thing that I've had to be a little conscientious about when I'm planning these hikes is thinking, you know, because I usually either go with uh, by myself or I'll have a. Uh, now I've got my my dog companion. Um, hopefully, he won't go crazy and <laughs> just run off the side. That that dog has so much energy. I've never seen it. No, not, not not because I'm evil and dark, but I'm evil and dark. Uh, if that happened to you, because we don't know, we got to explain the thing, but basically you've agreed to walk the, the nice old neighbor lady's dog, right? Yeah, I wouldn't say okay. walk. That dog will, uh, for an eight-year-old dog, that dog has an energy level I've never seen in a dog that old. Right. And if, and you were, your primary concern was like, ah, is he going to acclimate to me? Is he going to run? Am I going to lose him? And, you know, would he get hit right. by a truck? Man, if that dog dies on your watch, I'm going to laugh. I know it'd be tragic <laughs> for both you and the one, but since I'm not there and it doesn't affect me, it's going to be funny as hell to me to see that happen. I hope it doesn't happen. But if it does, I, I will snicker over in the corner. Of the <laughs> we appreciate that, Cappy. Yeah, um, let me do the sponsors, get this out of the way. Uh, and then I got to. Cause I didn't do this the last time and um, I got the system down, man. I, we're going to do the live stream. Oh, and by the way, for everyone in the chat room, uh, go and like the video. I guess that helps with the algorithms or something. So everybody go like, what we got? Hang on. O'Shea Jackson does this. So there's like, I don't know, 50 or 40, 49 people, 23. Oh, I guess half the people did like it. All right. Thanks guys. All right. never mind. I'll stop yelling at you. Uh, sponsors here. Um, I got my sponsors, the first half of them pre-recorded, so now I just drop it in into the audio. Okay. The Clary Podcast is sponsored by at kingscastle.com. Have you gone there at kingscastle.com yet there, TJ? I did, was. I was actually on his website the other day. Oh, really? Okay, so you checked it out. and Is it good, yeah. in your opinion? Yeah. I'm still I, – I only got a – I was looking at it earlier this – or I think yesterday, um, but I haven't had a chance to look at it um, further. I was kind of glancing over at some of the websites that I've been hearing about. There's only so much time in the day and, you know, people are like, Oh, do you, the art of manliness. Uh, what's his name? Um, who's the podcaster who does the deprivation chamber former fighter. Very popular. Most popular podcaster probably in our neck of the woods. Oh, which one is that? That he used to be an MMA fighter and, he he smokes pot and he's he gets people on. Um, what is it? Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan. Oh yeah, yeah. It's like people are like, oh, you listen to Joe Rogan? You do this? Do you read? Uh, you know this this economist? And you zero has like no, no, I don't. You know what I do? I wake up, get my shit done, and then I, there's very little I go and I read anymore. Like in the olden days when I had like a job. And I was supposed to be doing the job, but they never had any work for me to do. So I just, then I had all the time in the world when you're sitting there eight hours a day looking at a computer screen. It's like, okay, let's check it out. Now it's like, no, fuck that shit. I'm going out playing. Uh, anyway, this has nothing to do with the King's Castle. But visit a kingscastle.com. Uh, it's the latest and the greatest 
of a new Manosphere Red Pill site, so you can check that out. Uh, we got my Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash Aaron Clary donate money that I really don't need, but it pisses off all the leftists. What's uh, what's Peterson up to? Is he up to like $100,000 a month or something now? Yeah, dude. Um, we don't have to talk about this right now, but um, have you been following the whole kind of controversy over some of the stuff that he's been saying lately, like Adam Pigott's? Uh, I re- was reading his blog post the other day about that kind of stuff. Just, uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan of um, what uh, Jordan Peterson. Not against them either, but it's I what I, thing. Yeah. I, I mean, I was going to talk about this on my podcast. If, we, if you want to chat about it, we can do that. But I was just saying how. Um, I think people are just so desperate for anything, any kind of person who just deviates in any way from the official narrative, they'll just latch onto them. I mean, but we've been, that's, that's my number one complaint. It's like, why this guy? There's been thousands of uh, Peter Schiff, uh, Ron Paul. And certainly some people have, some people have gotten notoriety and popularity. Is it just because he's the first academian? Have his head out of his ass. I mean, why does this guy all of a sudden come out of the blue and say shit? It's almost like he's a conservative thought. And I guess that's kind of it's like where what you what is material? Maybe he's much better spoken. I'll grant you that. Um, but is this like the the one black guy in the Libertarian Party? What do you call him? The keynote speaker? Is it because he's from academia and everyone else in academia is a leftist fucknut? I I, I don't know. It, it kind of drives me nuts how people like yourself or. Uh, maybe Rusha role of Tomasi. Like this is what I'm kind of afraid is going to happen. Is you know for years you, there's been all this great material and this great uh, the, these books that have been written and all this stuff that's been talked about and discussed. And then some you know hack job or charlatan's going to take stuff that other men have done and then come out come out and uh, kind of tr- claim it as his own. And people are going to be so their attention spans and their unwillingness to do any kind of research. They're going to just accept it as like they, they're going to think he's a genius. Kind of like how. You know, Mike Cernovich. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Only well, halfway. I, I don't know. It, it's it, and it, not only that, but it's going to be stuff that's going to have some truth, but not all of it, or not the important parts. And I think that I, I don't stuff- even know. I, no, I, I'd say mo- what what Jordan Peterson says is 100 true. Not to bust Mike Cernovich's ball. He's also 100 true. Milo. Um, you know, hey, hello, I'm fabulous. Is people were talking about how can this guy be, uh, a, you know, the the band, the, the, the like figurehead or the uh, potential member of the conservative movement. I was thinking that's because people are so desperate for anybody with a, a spine. But then again, there's a lot of people who have had spines. They're just not, um, I think they're not pandering to the lowest iq people and i think that's the problem is that it, you have a lot of it could be he's just very well spoken and you know what that's that's i almost guarantee you that's 95 percent of it he's just whatever his personality is or however he presents himself is more palatable to a larger audience than yeah because you know, it's, lower, <laughs> it's lower iq like it's 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 said in a message i mean let's regardless of your people's political views on on donald trump one of his the reason he was effective is because he spoke very very plainly and he repeated the same basic stuff that a, a, a fifth grader can understand right and he he's fluent speaking. in blue collar or yeah. union democrat yeah like i was listening to some of his stuff i'm not saying the guy again this is not his politics this is just his his uh rhetoric i mean it was very effective let's not 
uh, take away anything from that. But the thing is, is that it was he was appealing to his audience, which was not the the top IQ policymakers or guys. And I'm not saying that being high IQ makes you morally correct on on an issue, but just you're a smaller to, percentage of the population. Yeah, like, he's yeah. not talking like uh, you know. He's not. Paul Krugman same, is not tuning in. Right. Well, he's not using the same vocabulary as like Rolla Tomasi in, okay. in one of his like psychological papers or whatever, or his essays or whatever. He's using all these words or you, you're using words or um, uh, even Royce or whatever. But um, I, I think that's the problem is that the, the people who are going to be successful are the ones who are going to speak in a uh, in that way that most of us are going to find almost patronizing because we're smarter than that. Or at least guys like you and me are going to find that patronizing. We're going to be looking for something that's a little bit more challenging. Um, you know, we're going to read stuff. But I, I don't know. It's but, it's, but I don't, I don't see Jordan Peterson. Uh, I mean, he's very intelligent. But I mean, what was what was uh, Ro not Rolo? What was uh, Piggott's problem? I mean, what's what's what was he saying? What's what's the kerfuffle about him now? I just, I'm just curious how he just comes I mean, out of left field and takes the world by storm. And I agree with pretty much everything he's been saying. But what is what is he is he going back to his psychology, which frankly, in my opinion, is a bullshit study. He's an academia. What's happening? Yeah, these are topics that I just have no interest in getting into um, anymore because they're I just found them to be there are no wins. But um, one of them has to do with like um, human biodiversity or, or stuff like that. And then uh, I can't remember what the other one was, but it was just over stuff where. Um, once you've gotten through the the main stuff like he's been doing, you're going to have to start addressing more controversial stuff, stuff that's actually going to get him. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's like you, you think he would have already gotten in trouble with his university over the stuff he's already said. So I, I don't know. It, it's a time. I guess my problem is with with the way that people embrace him is like they they're embracing the the leadership, but they're not embracing the ideas wholly. And it just strikes me is that most people are capable of following just about anybody provided they have a backbone. It doesn't matter what views they have. They're just looking for somebody who's got the, the strength to stand up for what they believe in. And that can be really good or that can be really dangerous because if you get the wrong guy uh, showing that kind of power. Yeah, what's his name? The Spencer guy, the – was the white nationalist, the white supremacist yeah, guy? Yeah, yeah. But I, I, yeah, but at the same time, he – never really had that kind of strength or power and uh, i you know that's a totally different topic but um uh, yeah i mean in some ways the media picks who the hero who the figurehead of some movement's going to be and they give them and also if their attention I, I think that's the other thing is if people who are kind of attention seekers are going to get sought out more because it's just easier for for um journalists to do when somebody the, like the most vocal person and the most uh uh, publicly visible is going to be the easiest to latch on to because that's part of the whole game is that they whenever a new movement comes out they got to pick somebody um to to be the leader yeah. all right so <clears throat> we don't know what peterson said why why adam piggott or people don't want i mean all of a sudden there's a turn on uh jordan peterson for we don't know why i'd have to go read right <laughs> Are you going to make me go to pushingrubberdownhill.com and read? I don't like yeah. reading. That's time yeah, I can you, be spent listening to a podcast. Yeah, you can plug Adam a little bit. Uh, I always do. I try and throw him in there. You know, it's charity. <laughs> Poor guy running around chasing kangaroos and wallabies, <laughs> whatever the fuck is down there, whatever. All these super 
super uh, poisonous creatures down there. And he goes up to uh, to Dutch land or the Netherlands. Wait, what is it? Holland. Wait, is Holland not Dutch? No, Holland is – they're Dutch. They're Dutch. Okay, because I – yeah. And now he's, he's – He's got some pansy pussy job teaching people ocean nighttime rescue. You know what? <laughs> what faggoty bullshit is that? What the hell? Can a guy be a real guy like me who yells at the internet and occasionally pens a book? You know, takes some risk in his well, life. Well, here's what's significant: is he talked about it on a po- his podcast, um, Greasy Pole or Greasing Pole or whatever, and um, Jordan Peterson actually responded to it. Um, oh, no, really? Yeah, yeah. So he, I think that that's the thing is I think. Uh, Adam struck a nerve when he published this blog post, and he also talked about it on his podcast. So that's You're not talking about the... Stephen Molyneux, are you? I know he did a he he, he took down. No, some... I, I know I, I'm ninety nine percent sure that he because Vox Day did a blog post on that on the fact that Jordan Peterson had freaked out over what um, Adam had written. He even he gets it. Adams. Yeah, he gets a yeah, nobody. So... He's a nothing. He's he's just this guy. He's... No, I'm kidding. That's... Well, he. I, I mean, he's been – Adam was questioning some of the uh, Peterson stuff, and then Vox Day has been going back through some of the stuff that Peterson – I mean, the question is, what did what were they writing and saying before they became famous? I think that that's what Vox Day has been looking at. I think that that's what Adam was looking at, huh. and it wasn't quite – you know, once you scratch the surface – I again, I don't know. I just thought it was – I have different my, – my problems are separate. My problems are more of just people not actually believing what – they're following it's they're just following the leader right it, it, it's kind of like with uh, with religion where they're following a really charismatic preacher or whoever but once he disappears you know once the shepherd's gone the sheep will scatter yeah not don't don't get me started on that <laughs> old cappy was very happy he got to go to zion and the sun was out and he he did not think about <clears throat> the the lack of we see there's not enough shepherds that's the problem Remember, oh you want to be the shepherd no you don't want to look the sheep at least got company you and then like maybe way off in somebody's other pasture way up over the hill you see you see another shepherd but you never have time to go hang out and have a beer or nothing he's too busy herding the sheep but yeah, after a while you get sick and tired of ah, bah. um where the hell was i i was doing something You're talking about adam yeah, no, I just want to know. But anyway, check out Adam Pickett's site, Pushing Rubber Downhill and uh, dot com, and then his book, Pushing Rubber Downhill, uh, as well, which is is a must. I rank it up there with The Way of Men, uh, Dead Bat and Paraguay, which is not one of the more popular of Rush's books, but it's a it's a darn good book. Um, and then other books that escape me now. Uh, we did Patreon. That's how we got on that topic. Patreon. Give me. I want. I want that that Jordan Peterson money. That was the short, that was the long version of that. I want the Jordan Peterson money. I want to be able to buy like farms in South Dakota every month. Cause I'm making a hundred thousand dollars. Cause of shit. I said 10 years ago that now a Canadian professor says today, I want, I want that. I want them shekels in the gimme dads. Uh, speaking of books, you can buy my books reconnaissance man. Have you read that one yet or no? Me? No, I I'm planning on actually picking that up. Um, audiobook you can listen to it while you're hiking you don't have to sit and read and do nothing i i'm more of a reader i've never been a much of an audio guy wait 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 hold it hold it hold it don't tell me all this hiking you do you don't listen to podcasts or audiobook are you not listening to anything when you're out there for hours on end uh it depends sometimes i'll be listening to uh i mean back like a couple years ago like when i was going on uh like 
Bootjack Mountain. I was definitely listening to your podcast, and then I was listening to some of Davis Rainey's stuff and, and mm. other people. And that was when I was really getting like first exposed to some of the stuff that, um, in the I guess you would call it the manosphere um, back then. But nowadays, um, you know, I tend to try to not be listening to stuff because you never know who you're going to encounter on the on the hiking trails or what. And you say what or what. I don't know. You meet interesting people. No, 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 no. Who you're going to come across on the hiking trails? And I said, or what? Like bears? And oh, I have encountered. I haven't. I one time I encountered a, a brown bear with the, a mama brown bear with her Ooh, cubs. Not yeah. good. Yeah. So that helped not having headphones in. Um, but I think also just being aware of what's going on. Um, but the, yeah, you you run into people and they may not talk to you if you got your headphones on um, because they just assume that you can't hear them. So, right. All right. Well, anyway, Adam Piggott cannot endorse Reconnaissance Man because he hasn't read it or listened to it. But if he did, I'm sure he would endorse it. Then we have the Black Man's Guide Out of Poverty. Adam, uh, Adam Piggott is not black. Neither is T.J. Martinell. <laughs> uh, matter of fact, if a white guy says, you should read this book, uh, don't read it because it's not written for him. It's written for uh, a black gentleman who are in poverty and would like to get out. So check that out. We got Batch of Pad Economics. That's, oh, that's another must. I'd throw that up there. And that's just not because it's my book, but it is that good. Worthless, the Young Person's Indispensable uh, Guide for Choosing the Right Major. It is May coming up. Wait, is it May today? Yeah, it is May 1st. It's, May Day. It's May 1st. Okay, it's May 1st. All right. So June is Worthless Degree Awareness Month, but I've thought about moving it to May because a lot of kids graduate at the end of May and not June. So I try to get worthless up to as many high school kids as possible as a graduation gift. So if you have a kid who's about to graduate from high school or a loved one that's about to graduate from high school, or you yourself are about to graduate from high school, get that book worthless. I've always thought like, you know, in the movies where the goal of a submarine uh, torpedo is to like hit the magazine, the, the ammunition part of the ship that's trying to sink. So it blows up. Yeah. I've been trying to do that with worthless, like send some torpedoes. Like if I could just get like worthless in a couple high schools and have it go viral because it's controversial. Uh, so I've offered like oh, so three books. For another repeat of that, uh, that Mad Max. Oh part. yeah. Oh <laughs> dude. If the world wants to hate me for like 48 hours, I will take it. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, that was my most successful week ever. Most successful 48 hours. But yeah, if I can get controversy, or a kid to come in and just hand it around. Because, look, if, if there's any high school kids listening, more than happy to drop you a free copy of Worthless in the mail, assuming you take it to the school. I even offered to pay, like, kids, like, 10 bucks to do Like, if you had to do a book report, do a book report on Worthless in front of all the class. Because, dude, that's totally worth $10 to me and the shipping cost because then a bunch of other kids are going to go get it. And even if you shared it, uh, they'll go, well, who's this Aaron Clary ass? Oh, my God, look at all these other books where he – where he hates on people that aren't like him because he's a sexist, racist, bigot, and homophobe. <laughs> Even though all the advice would work wonders uh, for all said uh, minority classes. Um, but yeah, worthless, uh, you can get that. Get that in the hands of anyone about to go to college before they go to college and declare a major. Enjoy the take decline. Out, take out loans or take out loans. I, you know what? After a while, it gets so... It's 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 like look I got gas I got a light why is it this blowing up you know I that book has and it did it had great success for a self published book but it should be a number one bestseller that every every graduation season that thing should be like 
in the Amazon top five or something like that. And I don't say that because I want it to be that. I say it because I want it to be that. And it should be that. That save well, not tr well over, the, over the course of three years, it would be trillions of dollars. It would save generations trillions of dollars. I could have prevented the housing bubble with my housing book. Uh, that was been a, a trillion dollars right there. I could save trillions of dollars more over the course of generations. But no, they want the college experience. They think they actually think, let me tell you what they think, TJ. They actually think that they're going to get lucky with their sociology degree. It's like gambling. They think, oh, yeah, I know seven out of eight sociology majors are going to be serving coffee just like I did in high school. But I'm going to be that lucky eighth one. I'm going to get a grant because I'm lucky. And uh, hey, can you tell me what movie this is from? Sure. The emperor knew the value of luck. That's why when he was promoting someone to field marshal, he says, "Yes, yes, I know he's brilliant, oh, but is he lucky?" Never, All right, never mind, never mind. Never mind. <laughs> and our boy Roy seems to have it. Well, then make me a general, sir. Patience, dear boy. Patience. Okay. You're just one. not going to get that anymore. You're not going to get that in a movie anymore. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. That was, God, that was such a great movie. Commander Jensen. That's, uh, Curse of the High IQ. We were talking about that before. Poor Richard's retirement. That's for anybody out there who does not have enough money saved up for retirement. You're saying, is that book for me? Answer the question. Do I have enough saved up for retirement? If the answer is no, then the book is for you, which is fucking everybody. <laughs> that too should be a New York Times bestseller. Uh, Ron Guts Pull Cones, where I talk about it with our buddy Adam Piggott. Harry Lux's book, Viral Podcasting, if you'd like to become a podcaster. Glorious Carl's book, Trade the Ratio. And our good buddy Rolo Tomasi, uh, therationalmail.com. You can get his whiskey at tapwhiskey.com, spelled without the E. And then um, Positive Masculinity is his book, most recent one that came out. TJ, why don't you tell people about your books? Yeah, so I wrote um, a book called the Briefly, Stranger. don't give us the 18-hour version. I was okay. five years old, and I saw a movie. I liked Humphrey Bogart. <laughs> give, give us the short version. Okay, it's a fake news um, type uh, book that's set in Seattle in the future. It's like a neo-prohibition era, um, like Fahrenheit 451. And then there's its sequel, The Informers. And then there's Men Who Walk Alone. That's like a 1930s old-fashioned pulp noir. Humphrey Bogart, shoot him up. Okay. We can get those on Amazon? Yeah, all of them you can get on Amazon. Get those in audio or no? I haven't gotten around to audio yet. Okay. I, yeah, I know how you don't like doing it yourself. Hire my buddy, jimfear138.blogspot.com, uh, who, who I was going to promote anyway. Yeah. Uh, but Jim Fear does a good job. <clears throat> he does my audio books. Uh, we also got Asshole Consulting. You guys can check me out if you got a question. Ask, ask away as long as you got money. Jacobsadultplayground.com. Come out to Vegas, but first go to jacobsadultplayground.com to see if he's got uh, some deals and specials that he can put you in on. You can literally save hundreds of dollars contacting Jacob and having you set set you guys up with entertainment. Uh, you can advertise on the podcast. It's $50 a month. But finding out my blog, the, re the resurgence of the blog, I know blogger and blogging is dead because everyone has a short attention span, but people can actually track where they go, hey, it came from this guy's blog. That's proving to be more marketable than um, than YouTube or podcasts. Chad Elkins at ElkinsCPA.com. If you guys have uh, a need for an accountant. And we have the world of uh, extraordinary podcasters, world-class bullshitters. The Beckloff, he's over at Landshark. 
uh, Beckloff. You got to look him up on YouTube because his YouTube channel is. He was a naughty boy and said <laughs> naughty things that was not approved by the good people. He, he got in trouble with the good people, TJ. I know. Do you know? Do you know how you can tell they're the good people? How? Because they say good things. Because they're, 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 they say the politically correct things, and they don't hurt anybody's feelings. Those are the good people. And that changes every other week. No, no. It's whatever makes you feel good. Those are the good people. <laughs> Oprah telling you that you're a fat lard ass of a 62-year-old mother. You can still have children with in virtual fertilization. And, yes, that man over in Tunisia really loves you. Go fly over there and give him all your 401k money. <laughs> that, that Oprah loves you. That's, that's how you can tell. Uh, 405media.com check out our good buddy John Grant and he doesn't really necessarily have a show he runs a podcast radio station full of different podcasters including myself Obsidian Radio financialsurvivalnetwork.com our good friend Kerry Lutz Kanto Talk hosted by Silvio Kanto C-A-N-T-O you can find him on Blog Talk Radio Tom Like is at blowmeuptom.com you ever listen to him when he was on Radio Out East or Out West um, I used to listen to his uh, stuff on YouTube. I never got a chance to listen to his radio show, um, but he had some pretty good stuff. I remember it's got to be coming up on eight years ago now, seven or eight years ago, before he went terrestrial. Um, I found a, an archive where it was like 400 episodes of his his show and just binged on those while hiking out in South Dakota for a summer. <clears throat> and um, that guy, and I didn't even know about. I didn't even know what he had a radio show ten years before the Red Pill community blew up. And here's here's another example: Why was he relegated to the West Coast? Like, why did no one else in the country hear about him unless you had I'm the internet amazed. was around? He should have been around. I'm kind of amazed he was able to get away with saying what he was saying in uh, like the Hollywood, LA area. Like, mm-hmm. he's not he's not exactly in an area where you can get away with saying things that that stray outside the realm of allowable opinion. Mm-hmm. I think uh, it's because they thought it was a shtick and you could say maybe he presents it as such uh, because he gets women callers or people that just disagree I with think that them. That was, I think that was part of it is I think he had an audience that was full, like his, I, I don't know, like I could be wrong, but I'm wondering if his demographics were a lot of women who were listening to his show and the advertisers and or whoever's doing the shows just realized, you know, that whatever, whatever we're hearing about this guy, these people in this area actually like listening to it. So mm-hmm. we're not going to do anything about it. I don't know. I just remember hearing some of the stuff he was saying. I was thinking, how is this guy getting away with saying this in California? Yeah, I, I think there was a sensationalism, almost even a train wreck kind of because he was getting the numbers. I mean, there was no doubt about that. He was definitely getting right. the numbers. <clears throat> but I just... But what what I'm confused about is it wasn't like he was on the air in the 1970s and you couldn't hear about this guy over the Internet. Why did no one else tell me about like every once in a while someone would say, hey, have you ever heard of Tom Likens? I kind of found Bill Burr that way, too. I'm like one or two people mentioned Bill Burr. And then one day I was really bored and downloaded his podcast. Like, well, this is great. How come no one's ever told me about this guy should be like nationally famous. Uh, and now they are slowly but surely, but right. it should have happened eight to ten years ago. Dude, I'm going to see Bill Burr in Seattle. Oh yeah, yeah. Bill Burr is going to be in Seattle, so I'm seeing him for his uh, for his performance or whatever he's doing. Has he ever been protested because 
He's I don't his jokes slightly controversial. I don't know. That's a, it's it's always interesting how some people just manage to get away with doing stuff because Bill Burr is kind of in that weird sweet spot. I think Tom Likas is the same thing where they say stuff that other men would say, but their politics are not quite. They're they're in this weird eclectic spot where they're they're not on either side. So they say things they insult both sides. Mm-hmm. Probably like Fred Reed a little bit. Um, the who who will go after both sides, but. Um, I mean, I, you watched some of the stuff that Bill Burr said on like Conan O'Brien or whatever about mm. Hillary. Murray's, he's talking about um, whoever. But I think at the same time, the way that they, like you were saying with a lot of these guys who become popular, the way that they say it and the way they come off, people don't find it very threatening or it just doesn't produce that emotion that causes them to just lose their their mind. Mm. Um, I I don't know. I'm just kind of worried, like, if Tony Robbins has some SJW, you know, dusty vagina, wrinkly boobed cunt come up and, uh, you know, threaten him, or not threaten him, but uh, try to trap him. It's Tony Robbins. He's the most, you know, apolitical, you know, innocent of guys. You know, his his message is, is not, I was going to say Harley, it's just not controversial at all. And here's think- this attention grubbing whore that goes out there and tries to trap him uh, in a bid for attention, then I'm, I'm kind of like, okay, if, if he's fair game, why the hell hasn't Bill, maybe Bill would shut him down. He knows how right. to deal with I think, that, I think that that's the problem is that the, some of these men just invite themselves to doing this because they know that they're going to get, um, he's not going to fight back. He's going to give an apology. Whereas maybe Tom Likas or Bill Burr, I mean, we have no idea how they would behave in those situations, but I imagine Bill Burr, uh, you know, based on some of the stuff he said about Trump, where he would just say, yeah, I said that, you know, so what? Yeah. Yeah, just move just move on. Like, he, he wouldn't apologize. He'd say, uh, you know, I said it, and, and we're not going to make a big deal about it. And that's over. Kind of like how, how, how Trump, uh, he was being called out for what he had said about, I think, Rosie O'Donnell and some of these women. And he goes, you know... I said it and we do stuff like that and it's not a big deal. And then it just blew over. I remember people like, Oh, when I had the, my best week ever, people like, well, what's your response? Eh, fuck off. <laughs> I'm not going to apologize. Yeah. Go to hell. Yeah. It, you don't encourage by apologizing. I mean, there's that, uh, I think it was John Wayne who said, never apologize or explain yourself. Um, it's true it, because when you apologize, you're showing that you can be manipulated and controlled but if you, right. it's kind of like with the, you know, not to, kind of a weird analogy, but like with a shark, if you fight back, they're going to stop bothering you. But if you're, it, you know, apologizing, it's like cutting your leg open and thinking oh, the blood's going to make them go away. I just, I just can't apologize for something that isn't wrong. That's the other thing. I like, if anything, it gets me mad and get me right back in their face. Like, oh, fuck yourself. Yeah, make me apologize. Yeah, you come here and make me personally apologize. If you're able to walk after that, I'll be impressed. I don't know. And then they they go away. But then you got like guys like Bill Cosby, who I don't think he apologized. I I don't know. Maybe that's a completely different situation. That one, I haven't really formed an opinion on at at all because I just don't know what to think of it. Um, And and it's not really the same topic uh, as something like whatever happened to Tony Robbins or whatever. Yeah, no, I don't know what happened. Bill Cosby is like Syria. I, I have no (laughs) idea what's going on. I looked into Syria one time. Very interesting comparison. Yeah, but I looked into Syria because I was like, all right, all right. Because you could go on the internet now. They got this thing called the internet. And they got like these, they take very complex, long historical events and they boil it down to three minutes. So, you know, like 
what was the Spanish insurrection? Or not insurrection, the, um, where they killed people. Um, no, not the Civil War, where you weren't Catholic or they're burning people at the stake. What was oh, that the, called? The Inquisition. The Inquisition. I'm like, what the fuck? It keeps coming up. I'm like, oh, God, that was horrible. Um, but it's like this three, and they make a cartoon out of it. Like, there's a little person burning at the stake. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, it's a little dark. So I watched like the three-minute version of what's going on in Syria. And keep in mind, this video is now like three years old. So it's even gotten more complex. Um, and after like the first hmm, 45 seconds, I'm like, my God, this is the Gordian knot that will never be untied. And I can't really even take a position on anything right now because this is such a clusterfuck. I'd be cheering on at least two-thirds bad people at this point in time, assuming if you even know that they're bad people. So yeah. Bill Cosby's kind of along the same way. I, like, I, I just don't know. I, yeah. Uh, the difference is we don't have to really worry about like or get involved with the Bill Cosby thing, but the whole Syrian thing, it you know, like our government's decided that whatever goes on in the Middle East is suddenly our business. You know, if somebody lights a cigar in Aleppo, you know, we've got to know about it. And we've got to have a military response. Speaking of cigar, I might go get one later on. <laughs> I got I to gotta pack it in. I'm leaving for back home. I'm in Vegas now. <clears throat> Has it finally stopped snowing in uh, Minnesota? Well, I went back for... <laughs> A week foolishly because we got 14 inches of snow, three foot drifts. And I'm like, this sucks. And I came back down and I went golfing and hiking and and I went to Zion and rode my motorcycle and had a lot of fun. And now I'm going to go back because I think well, the ice isn't even out on half the lakes. I mean, you still have ice, so you can't. Fishing season comes pretty soon here. Um, so it's going to be well into May before a lot of the lakes are or uh, water. Uh, but yeah, I, I, um, I don't know. It's, it's just like after a while, like you go and no one, not to sound arrogant and cocky again, when I come to the Southern command, there's not a lot of people that could come with, you know, it's not like, Hey, let's go to Vegas for a week. And it's like, Oh, I guess you guys got to stay home and work. Don't you? And then, then I come in this, I got some friends down here, so it's cool. But that's like, all right, you know, I've, I've been here long enough and smoked enough cigars. Let's get back up north. And thankfully, it's warm enough that can, you know, you can be outside and run and hike and all that other jazz. Right. Not up mountains because they aren't in our backyard, but we can hike across. We got trails. They go around <laughs> lakes. We got some walking paths. Just, just this never ending network of suburbanite walking paths that all hook up. And just go from strip mall to strip mall with a subway, a caribou coffee, a Starbucks coffee, and a grocery store, and a Cadoba. And you go to the next town over on their walking paths. Maybe you go past the school. Maybe you go past some public tennis courts. But my gosh, there's another gas station with a Cadoba and a Chipotle and a, a Starbucks. And some sort of cupcake store. No, no. The cupcake stores are evil. They, uh, they have very odd hours. So you're like, I'm in the mood for a cup. Like weekends, you would think, hey, weekends, cupcakes. Nope, they're all closed. You think, ah, I'm out of work. I should celebrate with a cupcake. Nope, we closed at 4.30 p.m. It's like, well, I guess you don't want to sell your fucking cupcakes then, huh? Because <laughs> I would like to have a cupcake on the weekend, but oh, no. Uh, what else we got for sponsors here? Uh, Tom Likas, O'Shea Jackson over at YouTube, Rich Cooper, he goes by Entrepreneurs in Cars over on YouTube as well, 
and our good friend, Dr. David Perodin, the Safety Doc Podcast. If you happen to have kids and you are interested in safety, uh, tune into the Safety Doc. You can find him at safetyphd.com. Small Scale Life, my good buddy Tom, he hosts that if you're interested in gardening and kind of survival. Not the Art Bell living in the middle of nowhere, Nevada type of survival, but like, hey, how do you grow tomatoes in a city? Well, tune into Small Scale Life. And this asshole here I got on my on my sponsor, not sponsor list, but the League of Extraordinary Podcast, TJ Martinell. You ever hear of that guy? I never heard of him, no. Never heard of him? He's probably a nobody. Yeah. All right. Uh, Michael Kingswood, check him out. And mtfunow.com. Um, that's another Red Pill Manosphereian site. They sell merch. They gave me a nice coffee mug and a nice sweatshirt. Very nice and plush. Um, very warm, too. Uh, almost too warm. Uh, I, I, brought, I got it down here in Vegas, but i like, oh, this is Minnesota. I got to wear this in January in Minnesota. And that is it for the sponsors. All right, have you seen Infinity War or no? I haven't watched it yet. I was planning to. Okay, that's worth seeing. Uh, I'm, I'm kind, of, kind of amazed because I was expecting a, a bad review because you, you just never know what these big uh, studios are going to do with these movies, especially every year that, you know, after watching, I mean, I, to my shame to this day, watching The Last Jedi, um, oh, you I, saw that movie? I got, I got a free ticket, so that's why that's I just, still not like, worth your time. Yeah, dude, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, after that, I was just thinking they're ruining every single movie that or every single movie series. So I was just convinced that the next um, uh, Avengers film was going to be a, a total disaster. So it's I don't know. It's optimistic or, or good to hear that they're they haven't ruined it. Yeah, no, there was, there was, <clears throat> you can't even say there was even a twinge of politics or social justice. They didn't even have time. Uh, the plot is so good and the bad guy is so bad. And I actually cheer on the bad guy because this isn't some, um, oh, why is he evil? Just because he is. You know, this isn't the Joker. This isn't, um, I'm trying to think of, it's not a megalomaniac. This guy has a purpose and even a soul. Uh, he just has, politics and ideas that go against the existence of most of the people in the universe. And, uh, but he has a, he has a great, I can't, I can't disagree with him. I'm like, I was cheering on Thanos a little bit. Cause he's like, look, we have limited resources in the universe. Uh, if I get this power, I can wipe out all the inefficient or the people that really shouldn't be around. He's not just talking people. He's talking all creatures. Um, some of which aren't even sentient. Uh, and then the universe will go on. But if we don't do something now, uh, it will overpopulate. We'll expend through all of our resources and there won't be any life. And it, he makes a great point. He says, and there's, it's not that we don't know it. It's whether someone has the, the bravery and courage to say it. And I'm like, yep, Thanos for president. That's my guy. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, I was just worried because I remember watching um, Captain America Civil War and thinking how great of a movie it was. It was just – it was done so well and the way that they had framed kind of the whole freedom versus security thing. Um, I think that they've always done a good job with the Captain America character. So I was just worried like what are they going to do with him um, now that he's not going to be really identifying as Captain America anymore um, in the series? Are they going to 
you know, inject kind of like how I, I don't know how much you know about how the script was written for the Last Jedi, but it was written in the sense that they just started passing it around like a joint at some sort of like you know college uh, party. Well, they that's handed, that's the they difference. Did, they handed they handed the script around, and and somebody would make some little change there, and then somebody else would make a little change there, and so there's all this stuff that just you know it, like it's the only way to explain how they ended up with an HR lady um as you know the rebel alliance ship i just remember looking at it thinking you know i i i it felt like something out of a saturday night live skit some of the stuff was so stupid i was just thinking this is something out of um a a parody like space balls this is space balls level dumb except it's trying to be serious i i could not like i heard such bad reviews and like i said i i very much value my time <laughs> and a movie for anyone is a significant commitment of time. Uh, it, it's it's twice the amount of time you're going to spend at church, so it better have a payoff. But listening to Beckloff, Jeff over at World Class Bullshitters, which you guys haven't tuned into, please tune into that. Um, they were, and I know people have their biases and all that, but it's not that they said it's a bad movie and here's why. They're like, this is trash, and the blatant politics, not only that come through in the movie. But you see behind the scenes, and it's uh, Kathleen something. Yeah, this is the yeah. gal, oh, Kathleen Parker. something. Is it Kathleen Parker? Yeah, yeah. And what's funny oh. is I think that some of these people were involved in the Indiana Jones films over the years uh, before. I think that they it was in younger years. But, yeah, it was they, – they were kind of uh, passing the script around to different uh, people who had political acts to grind. And so they just put these 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 scenes in. That really didn't have much to do with the script or the story, but it was making a statement. So, so is the movie that what's the word I'm looking for disjointed? I mean, is it does it not it was, flow well? It's just got a bunch of micro sermons in it about politics. I mean, yeah, it's there, the, here's the thing, and I, we were, I was talking about this on the previous live stream. You can go to a movie that you completely disagree with the message of the film, but you still acknowledge the fact that it is a great piece of art. Um, there's a lot of films that have done that where I'm watching the film, and I, I think that's kind of what kills us uh, a lot, When, especially when you're Red Pill. You look at some of these films that you've just loved growing up and watching. Uh, it was kind of like when I was watching uh, Die Hard. Die Hard's a great film, but you know the whole thing with the, the, the husband and uh, you know Bruce Willis's character and his wife, uh, you don't really like the way that that's – what that's saying about um, – proper relationship um that a man should have but at the same time it's a great film it's a great piece of art and so but the last jedi was just it was horrible in every way it wasn't just a bad values being conveyed it was a bad film um it didn't tell a story well it wasn't it's it was really cargo cultish way of adopting the star wars saga because they think if they just have the aesthetics they have the movie but they have no idea what made the original star wars film enjoyable and and uh particularly empire strikes back so they were trying to like just grab i mean they they blatantly ripped off the battle of hoth scene at the end of this movie they didn't I, I come up with of, like a completely new but every every okay of the original three there was always like hey we're gonna have a unique battle here oh we're gonna have speed chasers in the forest here there's something unique all the time so this is just what uh we're gonna have I mean, another hoth battle it, it makes people go back and look at the prequels and say you know for all of his faults george lucas was actually trying to be original with the art and the the culture of the films they were different whereas these it's not even it's just soulless and it, and it's not um it, it's almost it's like um 
uh, an inferior uh, uh i'm trying to think of a good analogy for it it's like uh, somebody trying to recreate a great car but with inferior parts and with somebody who doesn't know how to design a car well like an, imagine somebody taking a 1968 camaro design and then trying to rework it to make it better but turning it into a, a french lemon car I'm, I'm still trying to imagine that in my head <laughs> yeah, it's, well, yeah you're thinking how is that possible well watch the last jedi if you dare um you know have something else going on so it's not a complete waste of your time but, no it, it, it's so sad that but that movie i knew nothing about the movie or the politics behind it but mark, mark hamill mark hamill if you there's a youtube compilation of his comments on that film when it came out he badmouthed that film openly to the point where i think um lawyers got involved and he had to publicly really he had to recant uh, <laughs> you know, he had to he had to he had to reaffirm the faith in the the series but uh but he walked out of i think one of the premieres and they said what can you tell us about this film and he just you know blank face said it's the longest and then he, <laughs> he, was, he was in the middle of a live interview thing with the the movie makers and he was just kind of bad mouthing the script writers or the director or whoever and then he paused and said i and i realized now that we're being recorded live <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 like i'm kind of like you know i forgive mark hamill for a lot of things uh he said because he actually was willing to say what a lot of people i, I think that's you know you got to wonder did harrison ford look at the script and just say somebody kill me and they go oh, oh he probably <laughs> that's that's what i was he, gonna say is he'd want to every, die he'd want to die of, every bit of evidence point and it was blatant the the you could not they had to put together the largest study group or or um opinion group to say can we get the most bitchy looking hr feminist type of woman to come up with that purple haired commander let's dye her purple i mean just a big hat tip to the and i think they were trying to be sly and then the the resting bitch face uh asian <laughs> chick emo kid uh what's her name dude uh, that's when i just I almost wanted in the, the theater I was at, they have it where you can order drinks and food during the, the movie where they will come in and serve you food. I want to start ordering drinks at that point. It was that bad, huh? Oh, it was. <laughs> but it just, it's like, look, you can, you can visually tell. And I think they signal not virtue signal, although they do that too, but these lefties signal to one another based on the way they dress, based on the way they have. It's like, I'm one of you look at my thick rim glasses. Look, I'm not wearing makeup. Look, I'm overweight. Uh, look, I just dress like utter shit. I mean, it's you could look at that gal. You could take both those girls, drop them in modern-day America, say, well, that's a professor who's, like, never been married and hates men, and that's your typical uh, first-generation American Asian girl whose parents were working hard and became doctors and lawyers and spoiled her rotten, but she's been influenced by America, and she dresses for shit. You know, you yeah. looked at it and like, oh, these are people in a movie? Are you sure? Or are you just trying to market to the fucking left on this one? Now, dude, now take that. Now consider how I went and watched Casablanca a couple years ago in a theater. There were teenage um, boys behind me with their parents. And you now understand why they like couldn't help but utter wow when they saw Ingrid Bergman walk in. You don't think she's the most attractive. You know, <sighs> you don't think she's oh, dude, I'm just saying, like that is what they a lot of these kids have to put up with. Like that's what they see. Like Ingrid Bergman? Well, she's not that well, no, not oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm trying to 
Work with me. Work with me. Spit it out. Spit it out, son. Well, I'm just saying, I think that they, they're not used to seeing anything remotely attractive anymore. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Like somebody, I, think, I can't remember who it was, but one guy was comparing the, the, the girl from the Star Wars movie to, uh, what was it, Battlestar Galactica? They, they had a similar um, Asian character, but she was actually stunning. I mean, there, there were movies from back in the day where they had very attractive actresses in, uh, in these roles. And so they're just wondering, like, why are you picking these people who are not – they're not even eye candy. They're not, they're, they're I think you got to wonder with what some of these younger uh, boys who are going through the school system or they're just looking the art. What I, I, cause I don't watch TV. So I have no idea what type of, uh, how they're being starved. And it kind of goes back to what we were talking about with the Bond films. I mean, you're watching, you know, Thunderball or Goldfinger or, um, I mean, shoot, you're thinking of, uh, you only live twice where he's like, has a whole, like, uh, harem of Japanese girls giving them a, a bath or whatever, it's, but they're all attractive. So it's like, I don't know. I I don't know because I'm not there, so I can't speak to it. But I cannot imagine what it's like to be in high school now. And I know every generation says that, you know, if they're 20, 25 years removed from it. But if I, every year, I will always default to the pretty people or the good looking people. But what I've trained myself to do occasionally is to stop and look at, one, how fat people are, and then, two, say, okay, what percentage of the people here are really good-looking? Because you only focus on good-looking people. That's all you do because you want to look at the good-looking girls. Girls want to look at the good-looking guy. But with these boys today being in high school, and I saw – where did I see this? Where was I? I I noticed it where all the women, no girls had makeup. They were dressed – Frumpy and down. Oh, yeah. it was hiking. It was hiking in, in uh, Zion. I'm looking at all these young, fit kids, kids, 18 to 25 or whatever. And I'm looking at them and looking at them and looking at them. And I'm like, there's not, not that you're supposed to dress and wear heels when you go hiking in Zion National Park, but not one girl looked uh, attractive. They were kind of dumpy looking. They all were a little bit overweight, especially for hikers. I don't think that many went up to the top. Um, you know, tattoos. And yeah, dude, just that. I mean, you've been to Seattle. You know how bad it is. Oh, I've yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it it does not inspire a young man or a young boy like, oh boy, I can't wait to major in engineering, so I can <laughs> so I can go and provide for that hairy armpitted hole over there that I might breed children with. <laughs> Go to Huxvarna and get a weed whacker. Maybe we could procreate later. But yeah, it's uh, it's kind of the same thing. It's, but it's almost. I, I think part of it is also they're encouraged by other. Here's the thing, and you can probably speak to this, and we've talked about this before. If you're above average or even higher in anything in life, people want to bring you down to their level. So if you're an attractive girl other girls who are not striving for that because you you know i'm not saying that you have to work really really hard not like a guy has to work hard to get in shape uh, and to stay in shape uh but at the same time it takes a little bit of effort to you know put on a dress and um you know do your hair and just basically look just remotely decent as far as like feminine i I think that's that's what it is they've never seen feminine they may see girls who are attractive but they don't see girls who are attractive and feminine at the same time they you don't see them wearing the or dressing the way that they used to 
I wonder if they even have the incentive or even aware. I mean, look at not we're not just going to slam on girls, but look at the look at the boys. I mean, do girls have any real incentive to go and get dolled up? I mean, what are they going to do? Grab Wimpy Soy Boy oh, McQueen over there? And I mean, I, I don't see any incentive yeah. for either of the sexes to make themselves presentable to the others. Right. I, I and this isn't a complaint. It's just an observation. I, I agree. That's why they probably don't because there's no demand that they do. There's no. Um, you, you see these guys who are well accomplished in life and the type of girls that they're willing to go for. And then they, they say how they're lucky to have them. And I was like, oh, you'd have lucky, you'd have been lucky to have never met her, dude. Yeah. I, and that's, <laughs> well, and you're more true. I, and I wish I could say we're, we're making this up or it's for sensationalism or to get the ratings or, or that we hate women. I can't because I got guys my own age. You know, this is not balloons. These, I got one guy and I can't say, but, there were so many deal breakers with this woman, one of them being horses. I'll, I'll tell people that. <laughs> and that was the least of it. And you know how much I hate horses. But I'm looking at him. I'm like, you're, you have the option to be single. You'd be infinitely better off being single. He's like, yeah, but I kind of want a girl. And I'm like, how are you, my friend? What happened to you? Yeah, like, that, you that used to be so self-respecting. I, I don't know if it's them. I, I, and or genetics, like, biology, just well, compelling you to go I'm get a girl? I'm just wondering if it boils down to either they're afraid of dying alone, uh, they're afraid of being lonely. And look, the, men like me, we're just, I don't know if it's um, genetic or just predisposed because of our personalities, but I'm capable of uh, you know being alone for a little bit longer than most people so if other people feel differently then that's one thing but i almost wonder if it part of it is just uh self-respect they feel like not being in a relationship they feel like they, like low self-esteem they feel yeah. like they need to be in a relationship to get self-validation i've never felt that way um you know it's always been it, the relationship needs to uh, bring value to my life but it's not like the whole idea that you need to be in a relationship come hell or high water is is uh saying that you don't think well of yourself by yourself but also the girls you date are going to pick up on that they're going to realize that you oh they, yeah and you're an easy mark for them yeah and and the thing is you're going to attract girls who are looking for that type of guy for the worst reasons imaginable oh, yeah. so it, like it, it's a wounded it's a wounded gazelle you know yeah. it's the legging gazelle that they can pick that one off from the herd right right but yeah, yeah I, I see a lot of that and i'm wondering are they just are they genuinely afraid of dying alone um, or, or just being alone where they can't, I, I, cause I know a lot of people who they cannot be alone by themselves for a very long period of time before they get really, really anxious. And I'm wondering, is that just they're because they're extroverted or is it because that they're, um, they don't like who they are and by being alone, they're forced to start thinking about they they're forced to engage in the kind of introspection that we do. And maybe they don't want to think about what they actually believe or what they, um, because to get to the kind of conclusion that some that, that you and I and others, um, I assume, who are listening, and, and uh, you have to take the time to sit down and think through what you believe and why you view the world the way you do. And you have to, and when you realize that you're wrong, you got to go through that very painful process of kind of killing that part of your ego um, and, and psychologically moving on and establishing something new based on what you now know to be true. And uh, a part of that is is required for most men because I don't think a whole lot of men are naturally red pilled um, on this stuff. They they're raised to believe certain things, and then they get older, 
and they observe in rea- in the world that that's not the case, but they got to make a decision. What am I going to do? Am I going to uh, try to figure out what the truth is, or am I going to intentionally remain ignorant? And, mm. and, by, and by doing that, by by being around people who are going to keep me from actually thinking about that kind of stuff. I, I don't disagree with you. I, I think there's multiple causes, uh, and that's certainly maybe one of them, a fear and combination of having to look at your, your soul, look at yourself in the mirror. <clears throat> in my case, and an increasing number of guys' cases, it was just plain beat out of you, where you're like, I, and I remember like where I said, I'm done with this shit. I am done with this bullshit. And I was already getting fed up, and my standards were getting higher. I would tolerate less and less. And then I just threw, and I remember... I was going on a date with this gal, and these sons of bitches, my quote friends, my buddies, they must have knew this girl was crazy because they weren't going after her. And I should have thought I should have recognized that. And I, I, and I, I took the bait and I went right for it. And we were going out, me and this girl, redhead, of course. You know, I know you're partial towards the redheads as well. <laughs> Nothing good comes of redheads. Nothing good ever came of redheads. Not one pleasant experience, no matter how hard you try. So. Uh, I'm like, and this girl's like green lighting me. I'm ready to go. We're at her place. We are buck naked, both of us in her bed. And then she's like, oh, well, we can't have sex. I'm like, that's it. And I got up, put on my clothes, walked out. I'm like, I'm done. I'm fucking done. And it wasn't, what I realized is it wasn't bad luck. It wasn't statistics. It wasn't, oh, you're just looking in the wrong places. All this other fucking bullshit your mom, your female friend says. No, they're all fucking like that. There's always something, some kind of deal breaker. And what you have to realize and what you got to do and commit to is you have to commit to, no, I got to deal with it and train the girl in. And I'm like, I am not training anyone in. I'm not dealing with this bullshit. I am happier being by myself. This was back at the time. 360 was just coming out playing Red Dead Redemption. I'm like, I'm out. I'm gone. And for that reason, I'm out. And I think a lot of men, younger men, but older men too, but especially young, you just got to realize like, this is bullshit. There is an objective standard. When you're getting pissed off, when you're getting flustered or frustrated, the girl isn't doing what you want. I'm not saying she's your slave, but you're like, oh, yeah, we're going to, oh, she cancels or this or that, or she's fucking naked in your bed, but won't have sex. There's nothing you're doing wrong. It's that fucked up, and you have every bit of self-right and, and, and uh, uh, <clears throat> entitlement to sanity, peace, and calm that just involves you being by yourself and doing what you want and not having to fucking adapt or adjust or give or sacrifice so this girl might somewhat act normal around you and have a, a semi-functional and, and successful relationship. No, it's... And after, after dealing with girls, especially in their 20s, I think I was, I was like 29 maybe at this time, maybe 30, where I was just like, that's it, I'm done. I don't have time for this. And then ironically, that's when things started going way better than they did before, not necessarily with women, but pretty much every aspect of life. And that's, that's where the guys have just got to, I, I look at, and these are guys my age. I'm like, why haven't you had this fuck it, I'm done moment? Like how many more, this is a decade ago now, guys, and you've, I've seen you and it's only gotten worse. I thought like women would get more wise and mature. Uh, and I have seen that. I will admit this when they become single moms, then they, then they grow up real quick and they're like, oh yeah. Oh, uh, okay. They're a little bit more serious at that point. Than they got a kid. 
Uh, but the gals that are single and don't have kids uh, and are in their late 30s and 40s, you think it could – no, it gets worse. It just gets more delusional and worse. And the absolute shit, the absolute shit that my buddies who are my age are bringing in and thinking that this is like, well, you know, I don't know if I'm going to meet It's like go, go become a priest. Go join a, mon- a monkery or a monastery. Uh, just, <laughs> monkery. just do go, go do whatever you go. Go live up in the mountains in that gay community headed up by T.J. Martinell over the Cascades. You know, go up there and smoke some pot or whatever they do up there. But God Almighty, don't deal with this anymore. But they don't. They don't have the self-respect, or they just so well, yeah, hardwired to breathe. They got to have a gal. It comes down to self-respect. Like at some point, you have to you have to say um, that, regardless. Like at some point, like you were saying. Uh, you you don't let people treat you that way. No, you, you can't. It just boggles. It, it really uh, amazes me that some, a lot of men will not tolerate any kind of disrespect under any other circumstances. But then you bring it into a relationship, and they'll pretty much allow themselves to be you know abused in in uh, like verbally. Oh yeah, ran over completely. Yeah. And then, and then you talk to them, you know, like in biz, in the business world, they're just ruthless. They, you know, they'll, <laughs> you know, they'll, they'll uh, show no mercy to old ladies, but then they turn you turn around and, and deal with their, their girlfriends or whoever they're dating or, or you know, maybe their wives um, and even their, their kids. And then they just turn their, their spine immediately just evaporates. And I, I, I don't know what I, it's almost like it's part of the conditioning that we're, that we're taught where, they feel like that that's an area like the business world is an area where you're allowed to be ruthless like that. But then when you go into um, the, the relationship, they, they buy into that stuff. I, I see a lot of that where there's men who they, they maintain frame very well in a lot of circumstances, particularly the, the professional life, but then they go into their personal life and it, they, they start deferring and they, they put up with all sorts of stuff that I couldn't imagine. I mean, I can't tolerate that stuff in either world, either the business world or uh, my personal life, um, mm. because I have that self-respect. Um, and I don't, you know, when I was younger, I didn't necessarily think about it that way, but I remember when I was being treated in ways that I didn't like, and I pushed back and it was sort of surprising for some of the people involved, um, to see that. And they would say, well, if you want to be in a relationship, this is what you're gonna have to do. And I go, well, okay, I, I guess I won't. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, <laughs> I just, I mean, then, then you see the bug eyes and they're like, it, it, they like something, the, 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 the you called their bluff. Oh my sh- oh shit. <laughs> I, know what it is. I think that's part of it is somebody, I, I don't, I think it's coming from the fact that, uh, and I wouldn't know because I'm obviously not a girl, but they, for them being alone is not after a certain age is not really conceivable. Like it's assumed you're going to be in a relationship. So they assume that men have the same values. Um, but what a lot of them don't understand is that we are very much capable of like we value the fact that we can get up on a Saturday morning at 730, go to our fridge and pull out a bottle of beer and drink it and have it for breakfast. Like we can do that. We we don't have to, but we can. We can go like we get up every single morning and we can do whatever we want. And that freedom is is a huge uh, thing in a priority in our life. and We value it. But it, and being in a relationship or getting married or whatever, it, we have to give that up. Now it could be worth it under the right circumstances, but the idea that we're going to give it up no matter what for whoever happens to be there is I, I, I see men doing that. I just don't get it. It's, and I can't, I can't even ask them about it because they don't really want to even think about it. 
I I can't, and it's kind of an interesting, uh, you know, because I got what well, you're 31. Yeah, you just turned 31. You thought it was the end of the world. No, I actually thought the exact opposite. My I, life. I'm, ki- I'm kidding. Oh, I'm oh so God! Busting <laughs> like, your balls. <laughs> anyway, uh, not to give you the old man shtick again, but uh, you know, me and um, DT and uh, John Steele, you're on with him. We're we're to the point where you just stop giving a fuck and even the academic questions start to lose interest uh like it's never been figured out although i will admit in the past 10 to 15 years the red pill and manosphere has done a spectacular job of rediscovering cataloging formulating and recording the wisdom that was lost about wisdom i think there isn't that much left over maybe to update it as as society and and women and men evolve and change a little bit. Um, but n- now that it's, you got a, a very functional, yeah. It, but now that you have a very functional and working philosophy, it basically boils down to that's how they're programmed. It's hardwired. Nothing can be done. We're powerless to do anything about it. We could control our own environment and choose wisely and maybe uh, influence women in our lives. But when you look at it, it's it's not it's a it's an acknowledgement of how little you really control the situation. Uh, it's kind of like Texas Hold'em poker. You control some of the variables. You you wield some kind of control and power over the situation, but there's a huge aspect of chance. And you know, the the thing that you pull from it is acknowledging that that this is not a science. And then soon once you do that and you played your cards right, you start to maybe not so much disengage but you just move on and you just don't care and i think you and i you're especially you know to save yourself some banging your head against the wall i don't know if you're ever going to find the answer to why your male friends accept this unacceptable treatment from quote-unquote loved ones or women or the family and don't man up and spine up and i've tried man i've tried and i've lost friendships um i've said hey have you even even try to be polite about hey Maybe you ought to think about telling your kid not to disrespect you like that. You understand. You don't have kids. And after a while, it's like, yeah, you know what? I'm not even going to get my blood pressure up about it. And you kind of almost watch it as a a sport or a movie completely removed from it. I think the important takeaway that I've learned, um, still being a bachelor, and and maybe you can attest to this too, is that men who discover the red pill philosophy and learn about that stuff – there's going to be a temptation for them to be bitter at first because and I, I get it. it. Like I was very angry at first because you're, you realize that everything you've been taught on a lot of things like critical areas of life, like we're talking fundamentals was completely inaccurate um, and could have ruined your life. Had you um, acted on it before learning about the truth, but at the same time you have to acknowledge the fact that you are one of the lucky ones you have. I mean, in a, in a, in a certain sense, you've been saved from a fate because if you get if you learn this stuff after you get married, you can't get out, and especially no. if you have kids, like you're stuck. Now, if you're a bachelor like like me or like uh, Aaron here, you now have the you now have knowledge and the freedom to decide what you're going to do with your life, um, as opposed to men who have to now take that knowledge and try to make a very dangerous situation manageable or workable, um, where there's not a lot of room for error, and that if they are if they're not able to keep it going, 
it's going to be catastrophic. I don't have to, like, one of the reasons I don't have a very stressful life is I don't have to worry about that kind of stuff. I don't have to worry about um, a relationship falling apart or, you know, the, the idea, it, it, I couldn't imagine what it'd be like to have to get up every day and work my butt off and not be able to leave my job because I've got to pay child support or alimony to somebody who left me um, for no good reason. And so men who are, you know, like we, there's the whole debate over the MGTOW thing or whatever. Um, men need to think about the fact that they are free to do what they want and not get hung up on that. And I think one of the problems is, is that they still, they, they know the truth, but they still want women to behave a way that they, that they've been taught, but it's never going to happen. And that's, it's, and, and we can't get angry at expect, we can't expect women to behave in a way that any different than women, you know, it's, it's, it's hypocrisy for us to expect women to behave in a way that they are not meant to behave the same way that they have no right to expect us to behave in a way that goes against the way we, the, the way of men, the way of the masculine, the masculine, you know, we expect them. So I think that's really important for a lot of men, especially uh, younger men who may be listening um, in at some point. Um, you, you accept the truth and you go over that period where you get angry about it, but then realize that you have a rare opportunity that a lot of men don't have. And I think another thing to temper young men's expectations is, I mean, you are in a propaganda machine. I'm not saying that sound like some Art Bell guy. You are propagandized. You are lied to sometimes consciously, sometimes unconsciously, sometimes it's just tradition. But what I have found <clears throat> is that, you shouldn't be aiming for happiness because, one, the happiness that you've been led to think that you're entitled to, not to expect, but entitled to, is never going to materialize. Uh, and secondly, even with the knowledge that you have, let's say you take the red pill and you wake up, you're going to realize, once again, a significant percentage of the stuff is out of your control. And you're not going to, even if you say, oh, I'd like this, or I'd like that, even that is not a guaranteed thing to happen. And mere contentment and peace and serenity is what I've found is what is not only 100% within your control, uh, but is more sustaining and long-term and much more healthier and happier. And you are happier when you are content. But the pursuit right. of happiness and like, oh, I'm going to have a, a redheaded chick with big titties and this and that. OK, well, now I played. the I, I took the red pill. Now I should be and I can pursue. And, and you know, you could talk to even Roosh, who's probably I don't know what his notch count is up to. I mean, he slew all the sorts of many. Women. I'm sure he's in three figures by now. Uh, even he is kind of like it gets tiring chasing after girls. You can get sick and tired of sex. You will get tired of the nightclub if they even exist in the next 10 to 20 years because the Gen Zers apparently don't even date or have sex anymore. Uh, <laughs> it's it's it, the pursuit of a lie and the pursuit of women with a complete disregard for your own happiness, health, and appreciation for these finite seconds of life you have on this planet. Very finite, dwindling, and short. Uh, that That is... Now, I don't want to say the key to happiness, but peace, serenity, and calm. Uh, that, that, is, that is what the real goal should be taught. Uh, because imagine this. You, you can, you're going to be angry and pissed off, constantly aiming for happiness or a life that's never going to be. That's guaranteed misery. So, but if you have contentment and serenity, um, that's, a, that's the best outcome that most people are ever going to have. And it's within your control. Right. It, the, the more you need somebody else to do something to make you happy, you give them control over your emotions. And so um, 
the less you need from other people to be content is the better. And really you should try to strive um, for being content in whatever circumstances you may find yourselves in. Now, obviously you may not be happy um, and you may prefer something else, but I think that that's a real level of control and that's what drives, I think that that's part of what our society encourages is um, the opposite is to be um, continually and perpetually unhappy and discontent with your circumstances because they understand that the moment you stop, um, the moment you are happy with what you have, they can't control you. They can't mm -hmm. hold that carrot in front of your face. And so that's part of what um, I think the, the conditioning that they do with men is that you need to be in a relationship in order to be a real man or you need to be in a relationship in order to uh, have like self-worth. And so a lot of these men are driven towards that. Imagine if instead they were they were told, you know, if you happen to find somebody who fits well into your life, great. But if not, that that's um, okay. And they, they say that within a certain context. But then when um, you know the girl's 29, 30, 31 years old and is really looking for somebody to marry and have kids so that she can stop working, then it's you know you have an an obligation to to man up and marry those sluts. Right. <laughs> In the words of Dalrock. I, oh shoot, I had a thought and it, it just escaped me now. Oh, again, I'm not in high school, but based, even if one half of what I see is true on the internet and you see this Me Too movement and this heavily skewed pro-female, you got to warn these young guys that these women, if not outright consciously being brainwashed and propagandized or at least skewed, I hate to use the word hate, but but certainly distrustful of you, certainly suspicious of you, certainly to have a negative opinion of you. I would even say in the case of some feminists, outright hate you. You young boys have got to realize that, a, a, talking to what we are talking about before, how can people watch crappy movies? How comes no one's seen The Guns of Navarone? Because people are sheep. And a lot of these young gals out there, as the men too, but men, most men are interested in dating men. A lot of these gals have been brainwashed to, at, at best, look at men coolly, to look at them with some reservations, and in some cases outright hate you. And whether it's right or wrong that this brainwashing took, it did. And down the road... I really fear for Gen X. I mean, you look at the millennial boys and the fake rape accusation epidemic happening today to men in their 20s. Uh, but boy, these Gen Z boys, I'm afraid what's going to happen when these girls are 25 and you, you, uh, I don't know, you uh, put your arm around a girl at a party once at a, and you were drunk and that's, that's sexual assault or harassment or something. Well, well, I think that I have a bit of a theory on what's going to happen and what's already happening is that you have, you know, they, they, you talk about how they've been taught to be afraid of men. That's true. But at the same time, it's like when men go after a girl who they know is trouble, but, you know, they're horny and they can't control themselves. So they go after the girl. And of course, they end up having their life destroyed as a result. You have these girls who will know that Harley McBad boy is not good for them, but she'll go after him anyways. And of course, he either doesn't care or won't um, be worried about being charged with, with, a false ac or whatever accusation but the key will be when they get to be in their late 20s and early 30s and they want to get married they will have men available who are so passive that the women are free to initiate with any man that they want 
they get to be it's basically like uh, i think as rollo tomasi has said it's like sadie hawkins dance where they get oh that's never going to happen go on i I, i'll explain why no it's going to be it's a situation where when the girls get old enough to um, get married they're going to go and uh, not initiate like they're not going to go ask the guy out but then they're going to start flirting very heavily with men who may not be have the courage to ask out a girl originally because they've been taught all this like me too stuff and a, a, a th- enthusiastic verbal blah 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 consent where they're just terrified of uh and also this i think this this is where the resting bitch face thing comes into play where the girls are basically keeping those guys away during the time when they don't want to be um it, it, like married or dating those kind of guys they want to be with with the guys that they really don't want to marry chad mcthundercock yes yeah yes. yeah and otherwise so, it's chad elkin's cpa but we keep <laughs> his porn moonlighting business to 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 minimum I, I keep that, that I, I, and again i don't think that this is like they sit down and write this down i think that what they are doing is they are reacting to that naturally like they want to compartmentalize the men that they want to have fun with and then they want to compartmentalize the men that they want to marry but they need that reassurance that those men are going to be there and so if they have guys who are single they're not initiating with women um they're going to be very easy to control when they because i've been noticing that a lot with women who've been getting married um or maybe i I don't know maybe it's just been from what i've observed the men tend to be very um uh, what would you say not supplicating but just some like the, the woman is the one who's very much uh pushing things and driving things and you know he does the the um you know standard like asking them out and proposing and all that but that's all formality and ceremonial like the real driver uh person in the driver's seat is her Mm -hmm. and so i don't know i I could be completely wrong but that's what i'm suspecting is kind of down the road where there's it's been so segregated because they've they've scared the living crap out of these young men from asking out um girls that they can now go when the girls decide that they want to be in the relationship with them they're free to do so and they don't have to worry about being rejected because these guys have been um you know cowered into not you know taking advantage of of their um you know capacities as a man at at, at 30. I I think what's going to happen and it's already happening to a certain extent you can use classical boring supply and demand from economic surprise I'd use that there uh, but the supply of women uh, to be married is being removed. They got their careers. They got this. They yeah. got that. They got their. I wish we could even call half the crap that they have as careers. It's not. It's it's hobbies and it's government subsidized hobbies at that. But <clears throat> quote unquote careers. And then the men, they've been so deterred in So women are distrustful of men. Every guy's going to go and and uh, run off with a younger, hotter trophy wife. And that's why you got to have a career. So women are removing themselves from the marriage market or commitment market. Men are just, look, like I said, you know, I wasn't, we didn't have this cacophony of fake rape and everything's harassment type thing in in my day. Uh, But even I said, fuck it, my time is not worth it. And and I left. Uh, But I can only imagine the constant pro rah rah female, which is okay and fine if you think that's going to bolster their confidence and, and, and work ethic. Uh, but men have privilege and, and masculinity is toxic and fake rape. And, you know, here's this Gen Z kid and he saw his brother get accused of fake rape and went through crazy. And now men are removing themselves because they don't want to do anything with women. And the price point, if you will, 
because you know supply equals demand that the point of equilibrium so then you have the price and you have supply what's happening is the price is the age at which people are getting married and that has been going up which means actually going down because men no matter what and this is why i kind of disagree with you a little bit there uh men are the ones that still propose we're the ones that ask women out and this is one thing where women are hands down inferior to men i know it's not politically correct but uh, it's true. There's some things women are better at than men. Some things men are better at than women. Encourage in approaching the opposite sex is purely the domain of men. Uh, and women have failed miserably in achieving parity and equality. Hang on, not done. <laughs> so now that men are men are and they're 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 voting with their feet. They're leaving. They're not in the marriage. So now what is it? The average guy gets married at what thirty three or something like that. Um, I, I think which women are completely unaware of because they're too busy paying off their student loans, getting their masters at that time. Uh, but that's what I think is going to happen is uh, there's just going to be a, a uh, evacuation of the dating courtship and marriage markets where just fewer and fewer people are going to be getting married and date. I mean, you already see it with the, the Gen Zers. Like, what was it? Like 45 or was it 60 percent? Somewhere around half of seniors last year had never been on a date. I'm like, dude, I was a nerd and I got plenty of dates. What the hell? How have you well, never th- been on a date? So, so you, let's go back to, you were saying about the, the approach and thing. Um, let's make sure we understand the nuance here. The women aren't, it's kind of like going, the women are going to start acting the way a normal girl would in the 1940s when she's interested in the guy, she's going to give off heavy indications of interest in him mm-hmm. to the point where he feels like it's, it's so obvious the guy would have to be a complete moron to not know that this girl's interested and wants him to be asked out. I, I think the whole, this, all this nonsense that they've been taught is in, uh, intended to make them terrified of asking out any girl who is not clearly interested in him and so what it's going to do is it's going to keep the men from asking out girls and initiating the men that they want to later marry. Like it's going to, again, segregate because there's going to be the men who are going to, you know, approach women no matter what. They're just not going to care right. because they're for whatever reason. And so um, when the women decide that they want to get married, now they're going to, you know, take off that scowl that that didn't. RBF. Yeah, they're going to take off the scowl and they're going to start smiling and saying, you know, trying to flirt heavily with some guy who um, is very uh, poindexter. Yeah, yeah. Like the guy who would have never thought of asking. And he's, of course, going to think that, you know, his years have paid off or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So it's so sad. I know. We could be now the one thing that could happen. um, And this goes back to what I was saying about people kind of being sheeple is that. We much like the marriage market and other types of bubbles, we could see a burst in the marriage bubble where, um, for a variety of reasons, some, something that could happen that causes, um, and it could start with younger women, some girl somewhere becoming a bit of a trendsetter and saying she's going to get married young, and it suddenly becomes a sign of status. And suddenly all the girls her age want to start getting married. Well, then the older girls are going to have to start competing with the younger girls. And then it's going to be this kind of crash where the um, the standards that women are going to have for men are going to drop down to what they should be, which is, you know, he's employed. He's got no criminal convictions. He has only two eyebrows. Oh, hang on. Hang on. Hold, hold on. Go back a bit. What's going to be the catalyst to this? What's going to trigger women to Something, do this? I mean, it's this is all hypothetical, theoretical. Oh, okay. It might never happen. But I'm thinking one possibility is that 
you have a girl, a famous celebrity, or just some girl somewhere, something, somebody causes the notion of being married young at like early twenties or something to be fashionable. Like they, they, they make it cool. And so all the girls her age want to start getting married at that age. And they start, of course, sapping up the guys who are in their late twenties and thirties, because that's the, kind of the ideal thing. Well, then the girls the same age as those men are going to want to lock them in, and then that's going to cause the panic. And then that's where suddenly the 483 bullet point list of, you know, expectations for the men is going to be burned, and they're going to have, you know, the basic standards of men so that they can lock some guy in before he's married off. That Now, again, that could never happen, or that may never happen, but so, something could cause, or maybe there's an economic collapse where all these jobs that have allowed women to avoid getting married because they can support themselves financially. Please, please don't call those jobs. Don't, don't call the assistant reserve, vice reserve, break glass in case <laughs> okay. of emergency diversity director at some government okay. institution or universe. Don't call that a career or a job. That's welfare. That's okay, glorified okay, okay. egotistical so welfare. welfare. So, the, so the, the greater welfare state collapses due to an economic like what something happens where where our nation can no longer uh, be in debt. We've got to start balancing our budget. We can't spend any more money, um, or we have a, a bigger crisis on our hands, and the welfare state disappears. Well, now they've got to start relying on a man, like they before to have that kind of lifestyle. Then suddenly, men who've got you know, our basic providers, like back in the day. I, I mean, that is all possibility. We could see this this whole situation going on for the next 10, 20 years, but we could also see that happen theoretically tomorrow. I don't think it's going to happen um, right now. And the nice thing is about being a man is, at least at my age, I can afford to wait uh, a few years before, you know, before finding out if that's actually going to happen. But the girls my age can't afford to wait that long. So that's... Uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what I, happens. I, 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 mean, I, I just remember looking at, at, at Dalrock's, um, uh, some of his blog posts on the, the number of never marrieds piling up. It's almost like a bubble. And and what, what happens when those women start like decide to get married in mass, but then they realize that there aren't as enough men for everyone? Well, and another thing, and you'll, you'll find this um, also, because you, let's just admit it, you're very independent minded. You go off, you do your own thing. You're, you're okay being alone. Right. Uh, what ends up happening I've seen this with a lot of my older friends who are in their 50s now, never married men. Uh, you're set in your ways. You're an old dog then. And you don't want anyone in your house. You don't. You got your routine. <laughs> you got the couch you want. You're perfect. Like I said, peace, serenity, and calm. And they don't want their nicely. All, he, I got one buddy in particular, very interesting. He's like, nah, he's a millionaire, drives a, a Kia Rio. You wouldn't know it. And he's like, yeah, sometimes I'll get up and I'll teach myself Vietnamese over the, the internet, watch some Vietnamese. <laughs> he's a pasty white guy. Uh, and then uh, I'll fly to France. Uh, you know, and then I, maybe I'll go get some coffee and uh, then I'll drink some whiskey at 4 a.m. And he, there's no way you can introduce at, what is he, 52, 53? No, there's no way you can introduce well, a woman. I think at that point, yeah, you're you're kind of in that realm where – you don't, I mean, I don't think I'm, if I get to the point where I'm 51 or whatever, um, and I'm not married and I don't have kids, I'm not probably going to have kids. I think right. that's, I, I couldn't deal with that. But I think for a lot of men my age, under the right circumstances, now again, we're, we're dealing only in the hypothetical and theoretical, the expectations of women for men to get married could drop so low that men are not used to 
um, I mean, to be frank, moving from Seattle to over here um, mm -hmm. and, and talking to some of the older generation people, they were actually talked like that. They, they, they were amazed that I wasn't, um, wasn't divorced. I didn't have any illegitimate kids. I had a job. I paid my own bills. I had my own house. Like they, they, yeah. They were like, you know, like it was sort of, you'd be perfect to, for any girl to marry, um, not to my own horn, but it just like their expectations are based on the 1950s where that's that, like the typical guy in my situation would be getting married. Nowadays, you have to outperform the government um, for, for providing for a girl, but also oh. you have to basically give them the impression that they're going to be in charge. Um, I understand that there are men who are able to properly, you know, like you would say, train them into thinking the, the proper way for a healthy relationship, but that's not how a lot of women in their late twenties and thirties are going to be thinking, they're thinking I'm ready for my, um, for the, for the man who's going to be to fit into my life. Right. Basically. It's, and you know why? Cause according to her schedule, it's September 15th, 2021. It's she finished her master's. She will have completed her three years <laughs> to that date. And then she's supposed to find a man and get married according to the, according yeah, to the scripture. Right. Yeah, and and she needs to get uh, married by this date, and she needs to have kids at this two point five kids, no, right? No sooner, no sooner, no later. So no yeah, no later. like there's there's a plan, and it's kind of amazing. I, some people listening may think, oh, this is you know you're kind of exaggerating. I know people who've planned out their whole weddings, and they kind of joke, all I need is a man like to fill in the groom's role. Like they they plan a lot of this stuff out. Now, some of the time they may be joking, but at the same time, if nobody gives them sort of a healthy counterbalance or, or kind of grounds them in reality, they carry this stuff with them sort of like a, a you know, how a lot of men watch these Disney films uh, and get one-itis and think that they're going to find their one true love because their dad didn't have the decency to say, yeah, son, it's a stupid cartoon show and uh, <laughs> you don't you don't watch cartoons to find life's truths. Here's a couple books that you can read or let me tell you about my life. Um, and my experience, but yeah, then they get older and they think they, I mean, a lot of men think I'm going to be the one, um, and girls will also think that way. Oh, we're going to meet the one here. And, and they have this very specific idea. He'll say this, idea. I'll shoot him down and act like I have a boyfriend. What, what, then what was that? Say, what was that? If anyone goes on the critical list, let me know. And then I'll know it's him. What was that name of that Robert that when he was young, like we're talking young Robert Downey Jr. movie. Um, where some girl had a, had a fortune teller say the name of her her husband or true love was ever going to be. Did you ever watch that film? That sounds like a horrible film that I went it, it was a horrible film. I was forced to watch it under circumstances. <laughs> from, from now on, uh, on dates, you watch action movies. So, uh, but... Yeah, it was, it was, but it was that mentality of, oh, some fortune teller at ten, when I was 10 told me that my, my, um, the love of my life was going to be um, named this, or it was going to be from here, or it was going to do this. And so that's the way it's going to be. Um, and then you try to ground them in reality at that point, and it's a little too late. Well, that's, that's because they're not even thinking of – that's pure selfishness because they're not thinking about the other person. There's no, uh, what is it, empathy or sympathy or th there's no selflessness. It's This is all me and it's my day and I have this planned out. We're going to have these type of going away party favors. Well, it's funny uh, as I was, the, the, um, the ability to outcompete others is so easy. One girl, a uh, young girl was asking me, you know, like, how do I outcompete all the other girls? And I go, just learn how to cook. Just learn, like be able to make <laughs> like homemade pasta from scratch 
you will like have a monopoly on on the men. I, I'll even you, one up you. Forget the pasta. Don't get fat. Don't, don't be <laughs> fat. No, I'm being deadly serious. Don't be fat. Be nice. Show up on time. <laughs> Boom. Boom. May, now we could go into unicorn land, major in STEM, uh, <laughs> get fake titties, whatever. I mean, but I mean, it really is show up on time. Uh, be nice. Don't be fat. And you are already in the top 3% of most women. Right. Yeah. 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 It, it doesn't take a whole lot. And so um, I, I'm just amazed that more of them aren't taking advantage of that. It, it's sort of like, I mean, you, you kind of see that with the, um, with the, the, the trad tots or whatever they are, the ones who go on, you, like they know that there are so few of them in the movement that all they have to do is just say what oh, the guys yeah. are saying. And then, you know, they got 200,000 views and then they say something that's remotely intelligent on Twitter and they get a thousand retweets. Whereas, you know, guys like uh, uh, Quintus Curtius or whoever says something that's, you know, legitimately profound or, yes, or brilliant boggling and he'll get, you know, no, you know, he'll get respectable uh, responses, but nothing compared to this, what they're getting. So, yeah. Yeah, it's it's uh, like I said, it's enough to retire and just just extricate yourself from the situation and look and observe. And uh, but I mean, to be fair to the to the girls, too. And again, going back to everybody's leaving the market. It's not like the boys, young boys are really offering much of anything. I mean, I'm in nowhere near as good a shape as you. I listened to your podcast about how you were benching over 300. I'm like, Shit. <laughs> um, I think I might be able to not embarrass you while hiking if we ever do uh, some serious hiking. Uh, but for the most part, you look at what these girls have to choose from. Uh, yeah. I can understand why they're going to you know oh, the girls only go for the top 20%, 20, I'd say like 10% because 80, 90% of you guys are fat soy boy, limp wristed Fox. And, <laughs> and, you know, and we can pick on women like, Hey, it's really simple. Be nice. Don't be fat and be on time, you know, and then you're in the top 3%. But for boys, it's like be able to bench press your body weight. Don't be fat. And then, I mean, what? Uh, don't eat, don't eat soy. Don't eat, like it's just amazing how um, men that you think are batting for the other team turn out to be. But I mean, you're talking about how the guys have to say. You meet you guys who you think are on the other side, and then you they, you know their girlfriend shows up, and, and you're like you're kind of like shocked. You're like how do you have one? <laughs> well, I'm just thinking is is he like her? Like I'm I I almost one time I <laughs> I was in a blunt mood, so I almost wanted to ask like. Kind of like a Mark Wahlberg from that movie, um, The Other Guys, uh, where Will Ferrell's got Eva Mendez for his wife. And he's like, why are you with him? <laughs> <laughs> I almost wanted to say that as a joke, but I was like, you know what? Then not this, not in the right situation. It, there's a piece of me that looks at that, and I'm just kind of like, I should try and steal her from him. Because it's like, what? is it that bad? Is it really that bad that you know, this, is, this is who you're going out? Like the guitar-playing poet major you know i i just uh well just the uh, way the way that they're like so nice to their i don't want to say nice and like they're not being friendly like they're being um overly doting nice to, yeah doting on their, oh, they're, they're <laughs> i i so when i was in town back before i lived here um there was this one girl in um in a store that I ran to, into who was heavily flirting with me to the point where I was about to ask her out. And then her boyfriend showed up and he was like the overly doting 
like honey are you okay type and i was just thinking oh that's <laughs> well, another reason boys don't ask girls you know if i had a nickel for every time heavy flirting this and that and then also oh i have a boyfriend it's like well then what yeah, the fuck dude, was this shit dude, about that's, that's like practically zipping down my pants and you're on your knees what the fuck <laughs> yeah if they're overtly friendly my my starting assumption is they're in a relationship yeah yeah it's all fun. Yep. And so, like I said, I'm going to go hiking and playing golf and ride the motorcycle. And oh my God. I know they're, they're free to join uh, us on these adventures, but we're not, you know, there, there's not going to be any demands. It's going to be, we're, we're doing this. And if you want to join us, great. But if not, um, we're doing all the same. I got one that's going on the critical list. I might line you up with. Um, <laughs> but, and then I, I got, I got several. I mean, you know, there's, you know, I, I, the old cat that runs into girls. We do have female listeners. God bless all three of you. Uh, but no, <laughs> so we, we probably have a couple hundred, I'd say, within this year. And, and a lot, and they're cool. You know, like they already got that one great thing about them is they're not this brainwashed leftist sheep. You know, these are really, truly independent thinking women. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They're, they're more prone to be traditional. And when I find, you know, and hey, any of you ladies out there, you know, you're looking for a guy. We got TJ Martinell. We have the mighty Chad Elkins. I got other people, obviously, who are not sponsors or fellow podcasters. But, yeah, I got – I just the, – the thing that pisses me off – and don't you ever do this to me, TJ. I swear to God, if you do this, I will make sure the liberals come up and get through on Highway 2 and invade your little town there. Um, don't say, oh, the 300 miles away. Don't do that. Don't do that to me. Yes. Somebody is going to have to travel. Somebody will have to go to the place the people are at. And I'm so sick and tired of distance being the, the thing where it's like we have planes, we have cars, we have motorcycles. And everyone, well, well I, that's too far away. Well, then maybe you ought to say fuck it anyway and go. Or, or just, oh, okay, because a three-hour drive is totally worth the hundreds of hours you're going to spend on crappy dates and going to the nightclub in the bar and not having any fun or success. So I, I just, I do not accept distance anymore as an excuse. People, yeah. I, matter of fact, I'm not accepting excuses, period, anymore for people not doing precisely and exactly what I tell them immediately. So <laughs> if everybody just does what the fuck I tell them ASAP, everything will be well. And uh, you'd be amazed. But yeah, I, if any of you girls are out there, and are going to obey me and comply immediately. You will all fall in love and find your true soulmate. But just do what I fucking say. <sighs> no, I, I kind of I was chatting about this with a friend of mine um, when we were saying how you know let's look at it from the perspective of a, a 22 year old girl who actually wants to do who, who's looked around at the older women you know maybe her older sisters or aunts and realized like they've they've swallowed the feminism and they're miserable and they're like i don't want to do that well think about the pressure that's put on them you know they i remember um my my college counselor uh, i was chatting with him and he told me off off the record of course um that every single girl he counseled um when he asked them what they wanted to do they all secretly admitted that they wanted to have a family they wanted to get married oh that's oh that's that's they were being so heavily pressured by their parents and by their friends and family everybody was telling them you need to go to college you should you know you can't settle you can't be whatever and so it's not like these girls are you know crawling under barbed wire to do the stuff they're doing they're doing what they are to to go against that requires a lot of guts um and 
if they genuinely believe like if they're if they're genuine and authentic about it it's the same thing with the men like going against the grain as a man or a woman in, in this today's society um is is not easy and so um it, it can be easy to get mad at girls for doing the stuff that they're doing the same way girls can get frustrated with the guys for doing what they're doing but they're doing what they're being told to do by people who claim to be looking out for the best interest when they're not and it's not normal to look at authority figures in your life and, and assume that they're lying to you or that I, they're not. I, the I kind of, this is again why I love the, the handful of women that happen to tune in and can tolerate the red pill. But, and I would have some sympathy for these women for following the herd and doing what they were told if they weren't so bleeping arrogant and condescending about it. Like, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, da, da, da. Right, and what, right. what ain't where I, where I like, you know what? Fuck you. I'll, I can forgive sheep. But sheep that give me lip and yeah. like, you don't die, da, 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 da. And then meanwhile, you go cry yourself to sleep when I asked you on a date. Like, I don't go out with people that are under six feet tall. And then you cry yourself. You know what? Fuck you. And to tell me, dare tell me you have critical thinking skills. You're independent woman and don't need no man fish bicycle trademark. And then you go, I just want a man. And you know, you think, you think it's jealous men or not jealous men, angry men or rejected men or, or spurned men. That say, oh yeah, women, they did. No, it's true. Most women want to get married. They want to have kids and they want a masculine man to lead the family household. That's the truth. And you know, it would be a lot better if women were truly independent minded and honest with themselves and honest with men with what they wanted. And this fucking nightmare of a hellish war would be over. Well, and, but they don't. They got to they gotta just get that- all fucking uppity and Cheryl Sandbergy. Uh, emphasis sand and vagina. But, but, I think, but I think that that goes back to what I was saying about the potential for a a the bubble in the mar- the marriage market bursting. Because I think I could be wrong, but I think that there's a lot of girls who think that way. But they're they're again they're going they're not going to go against the grain. They're not going to be they're not going to do be the rebel in that sense because of social repercussions. So all it may take is just one girl who has the the spine. Um, or is just, or realizes that it, 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 being married at age 21 today for a girl is an act of rebellion. And somebody who is able to capitalize on that could cause other women to go along with it. Now, again, that may never happen, but that's why I see it as a potential to happen because I wonder how many girls actually want to do that secretly. They're just too afraid to say it and they can't say it to anybody. Like they're not going to tell the the boys that um, because you got to go along with the crowd on what's ever what's going on and a lot of them just don't i don't think have very strong opinions on this stuff but if you asked them you know do the do the women who are telling you to do all this do they look happy the women who've done this look happy and of course they would look at it if they actually thought about it but they're not going to think about it that much um so that's where i see that being a potential because i I don't think a lot of them are very ideological or or very opinionated on this they're going to do whatever is going to give them status. And if getting married at 22 and not going to college is going to give them status, then they're going to do it. Um, now there's going to be, there could be problems with that because we still have no fault divorce and all that, um, that could have repercussions after that happens. But I'm just saying that's why I, I was shocked when my, my college counselor told me that cause he was, I think I was one of the few men he was, uh, kind of counseling through, is because he asked me what I wanted to do with my life and I, I gave him very specific answers and he was kind of surprised. He goes, most of the people, most of the students I talk to don't really have an answer at this point. Right, right. 
Oh, well, you know what? Too bad for them. It's good to be us. It's good to be <laughs> truly free to be unplugged from the matrix. It's good to have that. The, uh, uh it's good to have the three girl listeners and it's good. At least that's what, that's one thing associated with serenity, peace and calm is sanity. I think that's a huge thing and it may not be coming out the way we want it or we were programmed or brainwashed to have it, but at least we know why. Because, man, there's nothing worse and nothing more painful than I see than these gals who are my age now. And I know them. Uh, a lot of them are very successful. Very. I know one in particular, downtown, corporate, uh, muckety-muck, um, just miserable, a psychological mess. And it's because you, you, they, weren't, they weren't honest with themselves. They weren't honest. They truly were not independent-minded thinkers. But at least we are. We're saying. So, all right. I'm going to end it here because I got to go to the cigar lounge. I also got to get some dinner. Um, <laughs> like my, it's like my, not ceremony, my motif, my uh, ritual before I go to bed, have a cigar, and then I get some food. Right. Uh, but anyway, TJ, thanks for coming on and uh, uh, shitting the shit here. Uh, tell people where they can find you. You can go to my website at tjmartinell.com if you want to listen to my podcast, soundcloud.com slash tjmartinell. Um, I'm on Twitter at twitter.com slash tjmartinell. And then I'm on Facebook. Um, I have no idea what my author page is, so you can just search for it. You'll find it. And you are a single man, and you are in very good shape. You can hike, and uh, you. Uh, so the the ladies out there, if you're looking for a man who lives out in the Cascadia of of Washington, uh, and don't, oh, but I live in Illinois. <laughs> well, fucking learn to hike in the fucking Cascades, then sugar tits. <laughs> All right. And and then, TJ, if you were to have to find a girl that was interested in you, and let's say she lived in uh, Reno, Nevada, would you go, eh, she lives down in Reno, Nevada? Or would you maybe make the trek to have a coffee? I don't know. Does she look like Ingrid Bergman? Well, okay. Let it... <laughs> no, way prettier than that. Every girl's – no. Oh, I... All right. Assuming she shows up on time, is in shape, not fat, and what was the – oh, is nice. It's nice. Yeah. May, may you entertain that? Yeah, we'll, we'll take a gander. All right, all right. I'm sure we'll – you know what's going to be funny is we're going to find some sweet girls. You're gonna, and then all of a sudden you'll be like an episode of The Forensic Files. He was on his way to meet this nice girl, <laughs> but he didn't come back to make then, his then, deadline at the, the newspaper. I know the guy who's interviewed who says, I have no idea what happened. It's, I just I didn't, well, don't know anything. I know nothing, well, officer. Will DNA solve his case? <laughs> yeah, it was bear. It looked like a bear mauling, but oh. All right, thanks a lot, TG. We'll catch up with you later, right? See you around, everyone. All right.